So, yesterday, out of boredom, because I, I didn't feel like playing any games, I feel like for this year, I'm kind of like tapped out with a few months, a few days to go in the year, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a break from games and just watch some things, so I was either going to watch Arcane, finally, mm-hmm. or watch the new Netflix movie, Don't Look Up, mm-hmm. and I ended up watching Don't Look Up instead, because there's an ensemble cast, and because it's only two hours compared to however long Arcane is. So, uh, don't look up. Mostly, uh, if you haven't seen it by now, which I don't think you have, it's kind of like a, it's an allegory, sort of, with a metaphor of, instead of global warming, it's about scientists who discover a comet that's coming to hit the Earth, mm-hmm. and they go around, like, on a media tour to kind of warn people about the comet, to do something about the comet. Yeah. And everybody kind of just ignores the comet as, like, not a real threat. Either they deny its existence... Or they just downplay it as, like, it's not a big deal. And the thing that pushed me over to actually watching it was it has an ensemble cast. There's DiCaprio, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence, the girl from, the actress from uh, The Hunger Games. Yep. As Helen Mirren. It has uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, Timothy Chalamet, the guy from Dune. And it had, oh, and Jonah Hill and some, like, other people and stuff. So, like, any movie that has, like, a big cast like that kind of grabs my interest because there's going to be, like, at least a couple actors you're going to be familiar with it who you like. And so the movie's very, like, overt. It's not subtle. It kind of beats you over the head with the whole, like, like, this is you guys. This is society right now. Like, the way these people are in the movie are behaving. Like, here's this, you know, uh, apocalyptic threat to the earth. Yeah. And there, and it's kind of like the movie's kind of doing the thing where it's like, kind of like, have you seen the movie Idiocracy by any chance? No. Two thousand six movie. No? no. It does. This, it's the same thing as Idiocracy, where like it kind of parodies like civil, like real life, where like this is you guys right now caring more about like because the movie makes it seem like the the media and like the news outlets ignore the comet threat in favor of like social media stuff about like these two like musical artists who broke up or whatever. Okay. So like everybody like like oh this is the stuff that trends, this is the stuff that hits and all this sciencey stuff you're trying to warn us like no one cares about that. It's not fun. It's very grim and boring and therefore no one's going to pay attention because it's not fun. It doesn't make people feel good about themselves. All right. So the game, I mean not the game. I'm so used to talking about games. So the movie like does this thing where like this is you this is you this is society, but it does it like for the next 2 hours and something minutes. Does does the film succeed in making you some type of way except for making you feel bad? No, yes and no. Yes, because I do realize like we do like pay attention to a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, like you look at you and I, we, we both we have a podcast about video games, which in the grand scheme of things, not important, right? This is definitely just for fun and entertainment. It's not an important, vital aspect of everyday life, but something that we it's an interest of ours. It's our hobby, right? But at the same time, the movie also kind of, it's a little overbearing at times. And I think it kind of tries to equate a comet with global warming. And between the two, I think a comet is much more obvious, more overt. Yeah. Because like in the movie, like there's pictures of the comet, like as it's like on its trajectory. Yeah, it's not a good comparison to me at all. It, well, I mean, it kind of is because there is like, I think the impact, pun intended, 
of a comet is much more immediate and dire than say like yeah you can see the progress yeah you can see the progress whereas with global warming it's like like a long timeline scale kind Uh of thing with like ice cores and stuff like that and looking at coral reefs and like it's there like global warming is happening the, the just the issue becomes with whether it's you know man caused or like man like aided or if it's just like a natural thing right that's that's what the main dispute is in well the dispute is i don't think it's so much of a dispute as if if it is man contributing to it as much as that is how as, much well yeah how much and is it like an existential crisis okay that's fair that's fair so yeah, you're right. It's not a question of if, but rather how much and like how immediate, right? That's like the main. Is it thing. like literally the end of the fucking world type of thing? Right, right, right. Well, yeah, because like a comet is cataclysmic, and it's like it's a direct thing that's immediate and is like its impact can actually be measured, like you know, in terms yeah, of yeah, you total can kind destruction. of calculate like fuck, it's gonna land right here, and there's gonna be all this displacement, and exactly that's what they t- that's what they talk about in the movie. We're like, well, like okay, like. Like, without spoilers, like, some of the people in the movie are like, okay, well, like, let's say it does happen. Like, we don't know. Let's not say 100% because science tests, we don't want to say 100%. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, it's like 99.8% like it's going to happen. And they're like, uh, let's just say at that point, let's just say 70%. And then, like, the scientists are, like, pissed off. And they're like, no, like, there's a big difference between 70 and 99.8. And, then, like, the the character that like they're arguing with is like, well, like, if it's not 100%, then we can just say whatever it is. Like, we can come up with any number if it's less than hundred percent, then it doesn't matter what number it is really, which is like annoying and infuriating, but I can kind of like, like, okay, you're just, this is just semantics at this point. But like the movie does this thing where it clearly kind of, um, the reason why the movie's called don't look up is because there is like a faction of people in the United States in the movie. And mm-hmm. it's very clear who these people are based off in real life. Yeah. And so, and they have like the slogan like don't look up like don't listen to these lies about like the comet basically. Okay. And so like the whole party it's spoilers yeah, yeah, conservatives uh-huh. are running on this campaign of like don't look up kind of like to ignore the proof that's in the sky. Mm-hmm. And until like they actually see the comet then they start believe but even then they kind of start coming up with like like well, we don't know for sure it's going to hit us or like well, we don't know if it's not going to burn up in the atmosphere. Well, like, they come up with, like, so many different ways to kind of just, like, like dismiss it, right? But, like, you can tell this movie is very, like, overt about what met- what parallels there I is. I feel like all the examples that you're giving me, that they try to give you a sense of how urgent it is, like, they really reach. Like, their analogies aren't quite on, like... Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, I like, do, because... Like, they, they get... Go ahead. Go some ahead. of them are kind of, like exaggeration and then some of them to be fair the movie seems it seems like it's trying to be like it's towing the line of being political without being too political but it's mm-hmm. doing the thing where like some of these things are ex- are not one-to-one parallels because like it's just not everything's like a direct it doesn't translate exactly into real life but a lot of things do because it talks about like the trajectory and then like they go into like well throughout the existence of earth like we've seen these comets that have hit and like they does go into like kind of like the parallels where it tries to draw like these things have happened before okay. is solid right those things are solid right comets have hit the earth and like this is the trajectory they're coming from this part of the universe uh-huh. like that is solid just like how in real life 
there has been cooling and warming up periods throughout the existence of the Earth. Okay. So not all of its not of all its parallels are exaggerated. Some of it are like that's solid. Some of it is. I think I think what it is is just that it it tries to make it seem like kind of like the movie, um, the end of the end of it was it end of tomorrow or day after tomorrow, okay, which is another movie about like climate change, but that one's like within the span of a week, everything just like topples over, right? Have you seen that movie or no? Yeah, yeah. So it kind of does that where it tries to add that urgency, but it does it with like a common and tries to be cute with it. I don't know. Uh, my main issue with the movie is not even that. It's really just how it kind of um, the fact that it beats the audience over where it has to explain things because it feels like the audience isn't smart enough to understand. And also the just the way the movie is the tone of the movie is weird where it tries to be like funny, but then there's it's also like a drama and then it's also trying to be like a dire warning while still being funny and like it doesn't really know what kind of movie it wants to be. Okay, so if you were an activist for this cause, do you think this film is a plus or a negative? Because I, I feel like... I think it would be a plus then. Okay. How yeah. so, though? Because, like, the way you're saying it... Because it definitely seems the kind of movie that is trying to deliver a wake-up call and make it seem like... Because, like, the main characters are mocked. The main characters in the movie are mocked by, like, society and the media as, like... Yeah, but, look... But if... they have, like, a moment where they get upset and they're like, like, hey, like, listen, like... Just because you don't like the data or you don't like this news doesn't mean that it's not true kind of thing. That's cool, what it does. But it sounds like this film is just preaching to the choir and it's just shedding on the other side. So how is it bringing the other side to come to the conclusion like, fuck, maybe I I hadn't seen this perspective? Because it does a thing where it's like they eventually have to accept that it's a reality. Like it is a thing that's happening. And like, I don't want to spoil the end of the movie. But if it's like the films are obviously conservatives. So if it's clowning conservatives, how is it going to bring any conservatives to support that cause if they're just shitting on them? Because I think it's trying to make them say, like, it doesn't matter about what your feelings are if you feel bad about this or not. Like, like good, like data doesn't like to quote to quote the to quote the uh, expression like the the truth doesn't care about your feelings. Basically, I think it's the way they're going about. Okay. Because there is a part in this movie where like. They get conf- they the people who they inform try to downplay. And you're like, oh, we can't talk about that because that's not something that people want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's not fun, or we can't make light of that. And so, like, we're not going to talk about that. And they're like, no, listen, like, like the truth isn't always going to be something pleasant. Like, it's not. It's something that you have to confront. You can't just like bury your head your head in the in the sand kind of thing. Like, whether you like it or not, like data, like the data and the facts and like the. The uh, the data, I forget what it's called, the simulations they run about the impact. Like, like these numbers don't lie, and numbers don't care about how you feel. So I think uh, the way there's they're... a lot of fucking climate models, and a lot of them fucking fail. No, but I'm saying in the movie though. In the movie, yes. But realistically, there's a lot of climate models, and they don't always add up to what what they should look like. Probably, like, they I come actually to don't. Uh huh. And the shit just didn't happen. So. If it's in the film, well, because you it's, a- it's just not a good example to me. Okay, but you asked me like, how is a movie supposed to win over like op- the opposition, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you, like that's there's no like nice way to go about it. The movie doesn't try to like tiptoe around it. The thing is, it like it just shits on conservatives, and it's like the same thing conservatives do, where they have segments where it's like own the libs and shit, and I'm yeah. like, that's not fucking helpful. Like, true, true, true. It's 
you're just making fun of them and they're not gonna like oh my god like, it's like shit on me so hard i think i've changed my mind no yeah no yeah i think with most political arguments you go in and like you know that neither side is gonna acquiesce like neither one's going in neither one is going in with the idea of having an open mind yeah if it's like completely fucking logical it's a little more fucking boring but then when it comes down to like i'm a shit on them i don't see that as being helpful at all but I think the movie does try to do that with okay. like the. Well, I have to see. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you have I to watch it. You have to watch it. But, uh, anyways, I th- it was an interesting movie. It was really weird. It was I, like I was telling you, like my mo- issues didn't come with the my issues weren't even with the message of the movie. It was just the way they choose to kind of like the tone of the movie just seems all over the place. Like it doesn't stick to like one thing. It feels like like the beginning of the movie well like the politics aside now you're saying like the story isn't consistent or the characters and then the tone of like it tries to be a comedy then it, try, it tries to do like drama and it tries to do kind of like emotional personal like it's like it's a it's kind of a mess let's just say it's a mess okay. i think like for the amount of characters that are in the movie like not each one gets as fleshed out as they probably should have there's only like a handful to be really focused on and everybody else is like like ariana grande is in the movie but like she's like almost like inconsequential to it and it's just like i don't know it's it's rough but i, I still think people should just watch it just to kind of get what i'm talking about so um, what do you grade it like a six so production wise a six gets the message across what do you rate that uh nine or ten because it definitely gets the message across it definitely it, it beats you over the head with it it's very uh i think i i think from what people i've talked to they kind of like yeah like the movie's a little overbearing at times like it's just like a it's not really so much about it's not so much a commentary about like conservatives or like liberals it's really a commentary of like how people don't care about things that they should care about because it, it does a thing where like it shows like Everyone cares about what's trending and like memes and like celebrities and like the social gossip stuff. That's like the, that's really like who the movie kind of like targets is people who only care about like inconsequential stuff. And then like the political commentary is like secondary. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say it's a lot like idiocracy because idiocracy does the same thing where it's like, like it's a parody of real life where like, uh, the like the news stuff is all about entertainment and like everybody's dumbed down because nobody reads anymore and stuff like that have you um have you ever had to take any we're gonna start the pod soon guys don't worry about it we're gonna get there it's a gaming pod we're like at 14 minutes but we're gonna get there <laughs> have you ever had to take any like courses on this or have you seen like documentaries or like books on any of this Mm-mm. Okay. not really i had a no no i didn't actually. i'm just wondering because i'm like wondering how much like I, I remember there was media literacy courses but they were not part of by major so i didn't really like try them out i'm asking because i i'm just curious about like the rebuttals you've heard to it and like what data convinced you what what was like ridiculous what you heard before and you're like oh that was straight propaganda like you know what I'm saying? Kind of. Like, of. do you ever feel like your brain is constantly, like, battling itself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on this particular issue. Oh, about this particular issue? Uh, I don't know. Or do you just like, yeah, I mean, let's go with this shit? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've had talks about this where, like, the information overload of, like, anything that's, like, 
politics related, I kind of just shut my head, mind off of because yeah. I'm just when I was younger, I was like really into like knowing about every single issue, and it was just emotionally and spiritually and mentally draining. And now I'm just kind of like, like I'm just very apathetic at this point, which is bad. Which is bad. Yes, I recognize it's bad, but for my, it's like. I don't know. Everybody has like their own personal battles or fighting. It's like, how much of that do you want to devote to like existential stuff? Yeah. So, but anyway, Johnny, this is not a political podcast or a philosophy podcast or even a movie podcast. Although we have talked about it's that. It's all about that podcast. Is it? Sometimes. I don't think the name of our podcast reflects that. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Dual Sense Podcast, a podcast that is supposed to be primarily about video games, but uh, we do fly off the off the panhandle every now and then. So let's get started. Welcome to another weekly episode of Dual Sense Podcast. I am your host Andrew Orozco, joined by the Badger of the High Desert, the self-proclaimed Lost Cause, because he's always down for the cause, never down for the count, the unnecessary one johnny hey johnny why were you making faces when i was reading that i was saying that i feel like we're gonna switch up the intro a little bit you were like squinting or like like you're in pain i was like what is he doing and i just kept going with it i feel like we need we need to switch it up but you're so like you have it so down i'm like no just let him have it you want me to like in the new year do you want me to change your intro i'll I'll, i'll tell you what i'll change about half of it and half of it's gonna stay no matter what okay i can change half of it if you want Make notes. I'll make that compromise. Make, we'll make some notes. We'll take notes after. You can tell me what you want me to change, and then what I will like refuse to budge on. So, Johnny, it's good to see you again. How you been? I, I think I even asked you that. I've been good. I feel a little bit rusty. Like we had that that long break, and now every time we get into the pod, I feel kind of like odd. I really? feel like it's the first couple episodes. Feeling like yeah. the first. So time. today, I think we're gonna skip the new segments because there's not a whole lot this week, right? Yeah. So I mean, I looked up like what could be potential new segments, and we just found like things that are announcements, really, that we don't really have much to talk about. Like, yeah, the, they don't get into like the nitty gritty of what's going like on. Like the, the COD devs, or... the yeah, the COD dev, the Call of Duty devs who left and made their own studio, but that's like um, not really much to talk about there uh was it something about you said Fortnite and naughty dog okay these are i guess these are the quick points they're not like long segments like uh, right naughty dog is very impressed by the way that Fortnite has presented the game in a technical level you know nothing to do with like the skins and like random characters right you're talking about the game itself yeah like the actual rollout and how persistent it's been throughout these years and how there really hasn't been much comp- competition but they don't really go into exactly, like, why. Like, on a technical level, how does it compare to what Naughty Dog is doing? Oh, okay. And then there's, uh, what is it? Uh, Battlefield has just fallen off, right? You right. said it You said it was, the numbers are as low as, like, a game from three years ago? Yeah, no, okay, so I saw a tweet. Um, let me look it up right now, because I know I sent it to you. There was a tweet I saw uh, over this past week where the amount of people playing uh, the new Battlefield compared to the same amount of people playing the older uh, Battlefield 5 for the same, like, in the same week, uh, the numbers were, like, better for Battlefield 5. So, like, um, here you go. Uh, it says here, 
So this is like for as of plan. This was like the twenty fourth. So this was like Friday, and here this is like what the numbers were as of that day. There was nineteen thousand people playing Battlefield twenty forty two, and then in the same exact moment, there was twenty two thousand people playing Battlefield five. So this is both for Steam. So this is like on PC. Mm-hmm. So on PC, more people were playing Battlefield five, which came out like three or four years ago. Compared to people playing Battlefield uh, 2042, which just came out like two months ago. So if you wanted a proper uh, kind of a depiction of how bad Battlefield 2042 is doing, it's has less of a player base right now than it, than Battlefield 5, which came out years ago. So that kind of print puts like a dire uh, picture to just how bad the new one is doing. Are you looking at the numbers? I was making a comparison for uh, Fortnite. They're saying, uh, like, concurrent players for Fortnite are 6 to 12 million people. Jesus Christ. Is that, like, at any given moment? That's fucking wild, right? Uh, I don't know if it was... 6 to 12? So, like, that's, like... It says playing Fortnite daily. Yeah. So, that's, like, a huge swath anywhere anywhere between 6 to 12 million. That's insane, dude. Yeah, that is insane. I mean, again, comparing a game that anybody can just buy compared to a game that nobody has to buy and can play, like, for free is... That's true, but you say Call of Duty is how many? No, Battlefield. Yeah, but you compared it to COD, right? No, I compared Battlefield to Battlefield, but they were two different Battlefield oh, entries. Battlefield 2042 and Battlefield 5. Yeah, but Call of Duty is free, right? I wanted to see... Oh, Warzone is free. Yeah. Not Call of Duty itself. Warzone is free, but like actual proper Call of Duty multiplayer online is not free. Okay. But anyway, so those were just some quick points. Uh, again, not anything that's like worth us delving into, really, because mm-hmm. it's not like I was telling Johnny last week over Christmas break and the holidays, like the gaming news kind of slows down to a trickle. So uh, this episode, primarily Johnny and I will be talking about we're kind of taking a retrospective uh, look at this past year, the games we played what really stood out to us and then our individual game of the years and then our combined uh official duo sense game of the year yeah and then, and then we'll probably end off with uh about stuff we're looking forward to in the coming year yeah and then we'll look at some uh some listener commentary at the end all right we do have a couple yeah we did get some emails we did get some messages thank thank you guys so we did get some messages this time i guess when johnny johnny has to be the one who puts the call to action out there and then that's how people respond so thanks guys for that we'll get to that later though uh so johnny how do you want to tackle this do you want to just like do you want to do because i mean i know i played more games than you did this year do you just want to like Go down your list and just rat, you know, rattle out what you t- what you played and just briefly mention well, some of these games. I'm barely gonna speak on because you said what games did you play this year and literally there's games that I played this year that I finished last year, but I wanted to do platinums. So I'll mention that off like quickly. Okay. Uh, okay. So there was a little bit bit of days gone, right? We both beat that game, liked the game. I uh, did a couple more trophies on it, but. There was they were too tedious. So, so you're just, not gonna. So you gave up on that platinum. Yeah, I left that alone. Uh, Zombie Army. That was a PlayStation. Zombie Army Four. Yes. Did you play that? No, but I did download it. It's one of the free. It was one of the free games. One of the months. <laughs> yeah, you might like it. It kind of plays like. Uh, oh my god! What is it called? Um, Left 4 Dead. Nah, forget it. It's not that relevant. 
Okay. <laughs> of course, we both play a little Fortnite. It's always there. It's always there. Something we did play and we both enjoyed, uh, Little Nightmares 2. Yep. Can't forget that one. Definitely a fun game. I can't believe that was this year. That feels like so long ago. That yeah. was like, what, February of this year? Yeah. Experience is a little bit too short, but for the content that it does have in there. I felt like it was long enough. Really? You thought it was short? I felt like it was. it didn't overstay its welcome. It didn't. I just wish there was a little bit more to it. A few more action pieces. I felt like it was exactly as long as it needed to be to kind of like not wear out its welcome. And it, I didn't. I wasn't left wanting that much more than what we got. I think what happened is towards the end, it got a, it got very. What's the word? Uh, like esoteric. Like it got fucking really weird where you oh. go through these random doors and yeah, the ending's really confusing. Yeah. That made it overstay to welcome just a little bit because it was a little inconsistent with the the pieces prior. Like yeah. the pieces that I like is when the guy's chasing you around with the shotgun. Yeah, like the first area. And then when the mannequins are trying to grab you. Yeah. All that stuff is like very straightforward, but scary and action packed. I felt like it was trying to do the thing where it's like, oh shoot, like we don't have enough story in this game. Like we need to wrap this up. So I feel like they kind of just crammed all that like, like let's answer some questions and like raise new questions. And they kind of just did that in the last like yeah, hour. Yeah, like they were really forced to leave you with like, with like, we need to come up with a reason for a sequel to this. And know? also like link it to the previous game and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So not the most satisfying ending, but still overall an awesome game. Yeah, definitely worth playing. I think you can, st- I think you can get it less for 20 now. I think it was like 20 when we got it. Yeah. But it was on sale like a while back, so. Then we got Scarlet Nexus. Yes. I have not completed that game. Love that game. Got carried away with a couple other games. It's so good, John. You need to go back, John. You need to go back. Yeah, the gameplay is awesome. It was just the story beats weren't doing it for me. I get it. Yeah. Everybody that I know who like likes the game says like the stories, like they hate when the story comes up because it's just like the panels of the characters side to side. Yeah, that and the, the hub for the city. Like, just get me to the action. Just get me to the actual gameplay. I don't want to walk I the city the was city. beautiful. The city's cool though. It's cool, but there's like, not a whole lot. Like the holograph, like the like the digital like yellow tape over certain areas, like where you like police the police tape kind of thing. Yeah, it looks nice, but like I wish there was like some kind of comedy or maybe a little pet that you get to see only in those sections. Uh, just add a little more to that city section. Yeah, fair enough. Then we got control. Uh, I think this I played last year. I platinumed it this year. You actually platinum that game? Yes. Oh, you're a glutton for punishment. It's pretty easy platinum, I think. Hmm. We have Spider-Man Miles Morales. Da, 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 da. Awesome game. That was a, that that and Returnal. I didn't finish Returnal, so I didn't put it on this list. But Miles Morales was like the second game I played on PS5, and I have to say that game is phenomenal. Yeah, feels so good. The haptic feedback when you're swinging. The combat, I think I like the combat in Miles Morales a little bit more than the combat in the first Spider-Man game. It feels way more like flushed, fleshed out. Not just like the way it feels, but the way that it looks like Miles. Like he was like new to being Spider-Man. So like when he swings and stuff, like he kind of like does a thing where he flails around. But I feel like the combat wise, like the variety of moves, and especially when you use like the cat in your like finishers. Like could that also be because you played it on PS5? Maybe, but I think also like. A combo on PS5 is going to be the same as a combo on PS4. Except you're playing on 60 frames. No, I mean like the way the the 
like the camera angles with the visuals and stuff like i think that would be the same on ps4 i just feel like miles is more fun to play as than peter parker is because he has more powers he has like electricity stuff the invisibility stuff and he's a cat he has a cat he some has of the cats are the bodega the cat yeah yeah <laughs> all right uh then we got uh onbushed played a little bit of that one of my favorite is that the racing one yes it's okay. one of my favorite racing games but more it... than gran turismo are too different it it doesn't it's it could have been so much more dude like there's no online mics uh you can't team up with a party if it had all that it it'd be one of my favorite games it already is one of my favorite games but they it feels like it kind of got rushed out the door Uh, uh, i like that i like that all right so there's on rush and then we have star wars which one jedi fallen order oh okay so what do you think of this? Uh Fallen Orders, it's a it's a it's a tricky bag just because like without if it wasn't for the Star Wars skin over it, the game would be very kind of plain, I think. Once you lift like the way that combat's really not that like interesting. Uh the mechanics of the game of how you just it's like it does the thing that's the Dark Souls does where like if you die you lose all the points experience you've accumulated. That's fine. And it takes you back. Yeah, but I feel like those games do that way better than Force, than uh, Fallen Order does. I feel like Fallen Order feels very... The combat just feels very bland. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's fair. I think why this might get more points for me is because it's an EA game. You know, when I started the game, I'm like, it's fucking EA. I don't expect a whole lot. Okay. And then when I played it, I'm like, I love the direction that they're going in with the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the combat isn't great a lot of times i was expecting like give me some more combos right With yeah the lightsaber give me yeah. that type of shit you the the way you're you're fighting and stuff like the lightsaber shouldn't feel like you're fighting with like a a two by four yes it feels like a just a generic stick except it's a freaking lightsaber i should be like cleaving bodies left and right yeah but there should be combos like there should be, like, I throw my sword, it comes back around like a boomerang, and then I stab him in the fucking head. And Well, you can't do that. I don't, wait, there I don't is, but it's just yeah. not. It, I feel like. I feel sh- like it's more fun once you unlock the double-bladed lightsaber. I think that's when you get to yeah, be more yeah, creative. Sure. Um, I like the way the level design is cool. I like the exploration. Yeah, it's like it. some areas you have to come back to later. And... Yeah, the traversal with, uh, it's very, oh, I don't like the word verticality. Right. There's a verticality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you are going up a lot. I especially like on um, not Korriban. What is that world? It's all orange, like the Sith home, like the Sith with the with I a. I hate that fucking world. Really, I actually the, like that the one a desert? lot. Yeah, the one with the with the Night Sisters, and they bring back like the zombie guys and stuff. I hate and that the... place. Really, I actually like that world a lot. I skipped, it was cool. You know what I think it was? I skipped it, and then when I got to it, the difficulty got harder. That might have been it. You come back later. You come back later, and then everybody's just way stronger for it, some it, reason. They look like Darth Maul guys, right? No, because yeah, because they are the same species as Darth uh-huh. Maul. Yeah, Zabrax. I can't remember them. Yeah, Zabrax. Zabrax. They are they are Darth Maul's like race. Oh, fighting the uh, sisters. That shit is dope. Like those bosses. Those are so intense, dude. Oh, you're talking about those sisters. I was talking about the Night Sisters, which are like the the magic women on no, that planet. All the boss battles are. You're talking about like the actual intense. like Empire ones. Yeah. Um, those two yeah that was 
fun. The one on Kashyyyk, I, Kashyyyk was super fun. Because I love that giant wing creature and stuff. And like when you're like flying around. Like that oh, was like you, a really cool mount, moment. When you mount the guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of Avatar. Like, you know, when you get when they, they link up with like the the creatures on, on uh, Pandora. Uh-huh. It reminded me of that. And I love that whole like climbing that tree. Like you get that sense of like height or yeah, verticality as you want. It was too long, but it was fun. I even, I, I felt like so tense. I'm like, oh, I'm like so high up. Like this is an really? easy way to fall. That? Yeah. It was really cool. I think, yeah, I think that world, Kashyyyk, was my favorite one, the Wookiee one. Okay, so that's that's a contender for Game of the Year. Uh, then we got Grand Turismo, which I love. Um, but it's sport, so it doesn't have, like, all the bells and whistles of a, of a regular Grand Turismo. Awesome game, though. Of a regular Grand Turismo? Yeah, because uh, regular Grand Turismo has, like, a massive campaign. This doesn't really have that. It just has more, like, challenges. Isn't that what the campaign in Gran Turismo usually are? Challenges? Isn't it just like licenses and trials and stuff? Nah, this felt... Is there usually a story? I don't think this felt... No, not like a full-blown story like that. This just felt very watered down. It felt a little too repetitive. Like Gran Turismo Light? Yeah. Okay. Uh, And then we have another one of my favorites, Frostpunk. Mm, Which you actually bought recently, I think, right? Yeah, I just purchased that game. But I bought the complete edition this time. I'm guessing that's probably going to be your game of the year. I'm guessing. Don't tell me right now, but I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Because you love that game so much. Okay. And then uh, also Fist, which I got into today. It's called Fist Forged in... Shadow Torch. Shadow Torch. And this is going to be your... I started this today. It's going to be like your, I guess, Castlevania. To me, it's just a platform, but I don't know what Castlevania really is. So Castle... Okay, so Metroidvanias or that whole... Well, not all Castlevanias are Metroidvanias, though. Because mm-hmm. like, there's the Lord of Shadow games, which play more like God of War, kind of. All right, well, traditional Castlevania games are side-scrolling 2D platformers. They do have like you going back to previous areas where you unlock more like... Like, now you can go through this area because now you have this ability and stuff. And also, like, there's, like, a leveling system where, like, each enemy is worth a certain amount of experience points. And then you, like, just level up and get more health and do more damage. So, is that, is, uh, is it just mean backtracking? Like, why it's is backtracking. It it's also kind of, like, RP, action RPG elements. And, um, it's mostly just 2D platforming and, like, taking out enemies and stuff like that. It's... So, if, okay, so if you like... Castlevania type type of game or Strider or maybe little uh, uh what's it called um what is it called uh, Little Nightmares mm-hmm. if you like those games I think you'll like this game too okay I feel like I'm missing out on some things because <laughs> I'm not playing it on PS5 like every game I play now really like... that's a two D it's a two D platformer kind of and you're thinking you're missing out by not playing on PS5 well when I get the game it says like PS4 PS5 or, or PS5 compatible. version yeah. so I'm like what the fuck is going on over there it's the same thing probably just faster but every game I play now is like this I'm like I'm missing something I know I'm missing out <laughs> I'm thinking like I, I'm seeing scenes and I'm like this would look really good in 60 frames or or whatever 120 frames I'm like is this texture 4K on the PS5? Uh-huh. Like, I'm thinking about that shit constantly. You're right. I do see a lot of the games are, like, bundled now. You get the PS5 and the PS4 version. Yeah. And I can see it from your point of view. You could be like, like, oh, like, I'm not getting the most out of this that I could. Yeah, and it's, it's. I feel like it's really mentally taking a... Chipping away at you? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 
it's just there and it's only gonna get worse i think because you're starting to realize that it won't be long before we just stop seeing ps4 support and just full-on ps5 games it's probably what you're well, thinking. well the thing now even because i have a wish list right and mm-hmm. on the wish list i'm like yeah i'm just gonna get the little games because I want the big shit for the PS5. You're all, you're like you're holding back. Yeah, but yeah. even with the little ones, I'm like, there's there's something. This could be a better experience. Just the fact that you know it could be better out there. Yeah, uh, that's it's literally fucking FOMO. I get it. I get it. All right, so first, and that's my list. I I played a lot more stuff, but I also played a lot of shitty stuff too, right? Yeah, there was, there was a lot of stuff on the PS on the PS Plus that I was like, this is. I remember somebody Trash. I follow on Twitter who was like, if you're going to be into, like, game criticism or you're going to play, like, games and, like, contribute, like, a hobby or anything, entertain the idea of, like, game reviewing, like, you need to be open to the idea of playing games you know you're not going to exactly enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because knowing what you don't like or what you don't enjoy in games better encapsulates, like, when you do play something, like, you know why a game clicks with you then. So I do think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think... I'm not saying you have to play crappy games, but I think there. I don't think it's a total like time, a waste of time to play something you know you might not enjoy, mm-hmm. because that's also how you find games that you do end up enjoying. Things that, for example, one of the games I really love this year is to is a fusion of two genres which I don't like, but together work beautifully. I'll get into that later. What? Go ahead. Oh, is that it? Are you done? No, no, no. I was like oh. really anticipating your answer for that. No, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. I'll get there. When I get, when I get to my turn, I'll tell you. Okay. Yeah, that's my list. Go ahead. Oh, you're done. <laughs> you didn't. I thought there was more. Oh yeah, because fist was the last thing you uh, you purchased, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So... Yeah, and that's uh, because of Joe, cousin Joe. Thank you again. Oh yeah, the credit he gave us. This yeah, I got uh, three games of that. I got Gran Turismo, uh, Frostpunk, and Fist. That's what you use your credit for. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right. Uh, so my list, uh, I'm not, I'm kind of glance over the games that you already mentioned, which also appear on mine. Um, these are all games that I actually completed this year, even if they didn't come out necessarily just this year. So, uh, Resident Evil Village, Johnny kind of didn't mention that. That's right. I didn't mention that. You didn't mention Resident Evil Village. Damn, that's a contender. That was like the first, no, not the first game I got for PS5, but it was the first game I got for PS5 that was like, this is next gen because that game looks gorgeous on the ps5 the frame rate the resolution everything of that game is just chef's kiss on that uh village not exactly my personal game of the year but i think that's a strong contender for our combined game of the year because that game is i mean the gameplay is just all right um but visually, sound design, set piece, um, pretty much all the, it nails all of those. Even though the story's not all that great. Ethan as a main character, not all that great. Um, some of the things in the game don't make 100% sense. Uh-huh. It gets into like some of the weird supernatural territory, even though Resident Evil has traditionally always been grounded in some kind of weird science. Yeah, I feel like this game kind of breaks away from that and tries to like like do... levitation. Yeah, I mean it does it, it does the same thing at the end. We're like like no, there's a scientific reason for all of this. Like it's grounded in something, but it's like uh, it's a bit of a stretch. So yeah, uh, but 
just from an artistic standpoint, and then also Lady D, like the boss characters and like everybody you meet, like are very memorable. Uh, her daughter, the the daughters, like those. I think that's like the highlight of the game for me. The really creepy portion with like the giant ugly baby fetus thing that game, like that part terrified me. I do hate that part as well. You hate it? Like you hate it because in you don't enjoy way. it, or you in hate it because way. it's like it, it the way it makes you feel. Well, I hate it because it, it kind of just doesn't make sense. Another part of the game, like how the fuck are we finding? Well, because you're fetus? you're hallucinating. You're hallucinating. I remember? Okay. Well, I thought you hated it because like like it scared you or something. No, it is scary. It's very unsettling. It's unsettling. I don't think it's all that scary. And the stuff with the dolls, I hate dolls. I cannot stand. Dolls. See, the dolls didn't scare me at all. I, I have was, a phobia I for dolls. Just, Going around the house, sh- shooting every fucking doll, so I wasn't scared. Mm. And the baby thing, I knew exactly where to go. Like, cause you go into that room, yeah, with and the like you lockers. see, the, see the bed in the locker, and you're like, I know, I know where the. When I saw you can go into the locker, I'm like, oh man, I think it was the moment where they took away your weapons, and you're like, ah, oh. yeah, like you know what this is gonna be. But uh, how many times did you die there with the baby? I never, no, never. On my first playthrough, I didn't. On the second time, I second playthrough, I did just cause I want to see what would happen. But the first playthrough, I never got eaten by that thing. I was so terrified. I made sure I was never close to it. I'm not sure if I died. If I did, it was once, but I don't know. It does a thing where you fall over and it pulls you into its mouth. That's how you die, basically. But uh, anyways, uh, Village, phenomenal game. I can't can't believe it was this year. It feels like so long ago, but yeah, that was this year. Uh, Scarlet Nexus, Johnny and I, we both talked about that. Uh, By far the best RPG I've played this year. I absolutely love that game. I wanted to go through, do the second playthrough because you're supposed to play as both characters. But I think at the time when I finished it, I think it was a little too much. I didn't want to dive back into it right away. Looking back now, I kind of want to go back to get the platinum for it because like all the trophies are, you basically have to do both playthroughs to get all the trophies. And it's not that hard. It's very easily accessible. So I might do that. Uh, we already talked about Miles Morales. So I'm going to skip that one. Uh... Resident Evil 3, I believe I started that game last year. I think I might have finished it for the first time at the beginning of January. That's why I included it. I think. No, wait, that was earlier, no? No, we finished Resident Evil 3 last year, right? Yeah, okay, so ignore that, ignore that. I don't know why I put that here. Uh, Luxlinger was the, the first game I ever received a review code for. That was like back in March. Uh, it's a 2D kind of cowboy western shooter 2D platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting idea with luck being a concept where like the higher luck you have, like bullets will just like whiz by you instead of hurting you. It's an interesting game. Uh, not for everybody. Definitely not for everybody. But if you're into like Mega Man, like the old school Mega Man games, it plays a lot like that. So Luck Slinger played that on PS5, I believe. Uh I think it's pretty cheap now. I think it's like six or seven bucks. Worth trying out if you can. Uh, Johnny already talked about Little Nightmares 2, so I'm not going to get into that. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Now, that was a game I know I for sure started last year. And I think I finished it right at the beginning of January. I don't know why I'm so reluctant to play that game. I think you would like more of the other Yakuza games, which are traditional like brawlers. Like a Dragon is very much a turn-based RPG. I think you would like the other Yakuza, the traditional Yakuza games, which play like brawlers. Yeah, because you told me it's really good and there's fighting and there's action, but I don't know. Not in Like a Dragon, no. In the other games, yeah. Like a Dragon's like a spin off, sequ- pseudo sequel RPG. 
Uh, like a Dragon is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I don't know if I would say that's the, my favorite game of this year, though, because there's some stiff competition. There's some games on here that I absolutely adored. But like a Dragon, uh, very heartwarming story. That game made me cry at the end. Such a such a fantastic game. If you're even remotely interested into like any Japanese culture or RPGs, I recommend uh, giving that one a try. Alright, uh, so yeah, that's Yakuza. Next one is a new Pokemon Snap. It came out back around April-ish. Um, really fun at first. And then it quickly became how obvious that the game was very shallow. Where it kind of became super redundant and repetitive by making you basically grind the same levels over and over and over to try to get that one perfect shot so you could finally move on to the next course. Um... Not as good as the original N64 game, but, I mean, I did enjoy it for what it was worth. It just, that one did overstay its welcome a bit. So, um, yeah, new Pokemon Snap. Not super amazing. I enjoyed it, but, yeah, it was, uh, could have been better. Said it's on rails, right? It is on rails, yeah. Just like the original is. But at least in the original, you could, you could like, slow down and speed up. In this one, you can't really do that. This and is this open world? No. It's on Rails, remember? Oh, that's right. <laughs> no, this sounds really fun if it would have been like open world and then sections open up to you and you have to reach places with like some parkour and a grappling hook. And... No, because you're like in this like bubble like vehicle thing that's like a safari. <sighs> so kitty. It's meant to be that way. Uh, then there was Disguise 6. Uh, a tactical RPG, Johnny. You might like it. It's kind of like XCOM. Oh my god, I already know your game of the year. It's not that one. Because I actually have a lot of problems with this guy's six. Um, it has an auto-battle system, which kind of trivializes the difficulty of the game, makes it super easy, where you can just do the same courses, the same maps over and over, and the game will literally play itself for you. Mm-hmm. Which is designed to kind of make the game less grindy, but in the end ruins the overall balance of the game because, like, if you could just leave the Switch alone and just have the game like auto battle for you over and over and over and just like leave it in the corner of your room for like a couple hours and you come back and you're like super over leveled and then the game becomes trivial. The difficulty becomes like super easy. Now you could say, well, why don't you just not do the auto battle? To which I will respond, then you're th- playing the game the least efficient way possible. And you're basically kind of just wasting your time when you could just let it do the auto battle for you. So the fact that they even introduced that mechanic into the game just ruined the game's structure for me completely. Because it just it, it makes it so there is no point in level grinding because you can just level grind like automatically. And then it just, I don't know, like the game becomes like a shell of its former self. Like the previous five Disguise games are way better than this. Um also, I moved away from the traditional 2D sprites to like a more 3D look, and it just does not look great. It's kind of like how P- PS1 games have not aged great, while Super Nintendo games have aged better because like sprites are eternal, but like low res polygons just look bad no matter what. It's the same thing here, where oh, I see what you mean. The old the old school look they had before looks better conventionally. Because the new one, they try to go with the 3D stuff. It just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good on the screen. Yeah, like uh, the Tekken 3D doesn't look good as like um, Marvel versus Capcom. Exactly. Exactly. Like one's more futuristic, but like it just, 
we've come so far away that that looks ugly now compared to like forever classic 2d sprites kind of. yeah exactly thank you uh i finished final fantasy 14 online the base campaign that was this year johnny remember you kind of told me i was playing that game way too much which are you yeah understandable uh this was a great year for final fantasy 14 that game blew up like you can literally you can't even like create a new character now in the game because there is no room on the servers for new people to play the game like they had to actually stop selling the game because the servers could not handle more players like have you ever heard of a game so successful it's like nah like we can't sell any more copies <laughs> he's like i saw this funny gif that someone made of like the game's director where he they took the dj khaled album suffering from success and they put they photoshopped you know, the game's director like with his hand like he, with rings on his hands and like a fur coat and he's like gripping his head and it just says suffering from success <laughs> because Good luck trying to get into that game. You know how long the queue is to join online now, Johnny? Like, the last expansion, like, the end of the game, the expansion, uh, Endwalker. Yeah. It came out, like, I think this month, at the start of this month. And there was, like, people who, like, to log on, like, they had to wait three hours in a virtual line to get into the game. Like, the the queue line is, like, like, congratulations, your place is, like, you're, like, queued or you're, yeah. Your place in line is like 2,000 something. So you had to wait for like 2,000 other people to log off the game before you can get in. That's how that's how successful that game is. I'm, I'm right now, I'm like waiting until the hype dies down for me to dive back in because I'm not about to sit. I'm not going to sit at my PS5 for three hours to try to play the game. So, but anyways, I, I beat the core campaign, the very base base game, like the, without the expansions. I beat that this year. It took me like, I think 40 hours of gameplay, game time. So um, that game is really dope, but it's more fun when you're playing with people you actually know, kind of like Fortnite. Like it's fun, but it's more fun with an actual party of friends. Yeah, you have to play with people you know to kind of like make the tedious portions of the game less tedious. Uh, And then this year, I also beat beat, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, a game that Johnny refuses to touch, but I tell him is actually when it works really great awesome game i want to play that game again actually johnny and now that i have a gaming pc i might just play it on pc now what because now i can actually play the game the way it's meant to be played but but it's not like a whole lot better well from what i understand the pc version is miles better than what the ps4 version is what's more stable yes that's about it and there's a lot of glitches on the ps4 version so I told you that game used crashed on me like every three hours. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty bad. But uh, I, I, when the game works, it really works well. Like that game is so much fun. Like you have the freedom to do whatever you want in terms of like approaching missions, the side quests. CD Projekt Red is for, is known for making side quests that are just as enjoyable as the main quest. Like there's a lot of variety in terms of like what you have to do for missions. The gameplay variety is great. Um. There's not much more to say. I think we, I've, I've talked enough about Cyberpunk in the past, so I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, I also played a Plague Tale. I beat a Plague Tale Innocence, the game with the rats. If you remember that one, John. Yeah, There's a sequel supposed to be coming out next year. Um, I enjoyed Plague Tale. It's very much a kind of puzzle-heavy game. Combat is not encouraged. You're supposed to kind of play more stealthily and be more like cautious, but you can. There is some combat elements, but um, 
that's not the game's focus and it's pretty obvious because you get killed very easily if you try to fight um it's basically if you took an escort mission like if you took ashley from Resident Evil 4 and just made that the entire game and just like try to get your brother from one place to another while avoiding enemies and avoiding rats but the game visually is beautiful uh the character models are great the voice acting is superb i think the voice actress for the main character you play as she like won some kind of award because the voice acting is like perfect really great um the music's okay music's all right but it's mostly mainly it's the puzzles and the graphics of the game that really carry it if you're going into this game hoping you're gonna be like like just shooting and beating the crap out of enemies like that's things are not gonna go your way i can tell you that right now so plague tale uh i recommend it it's really short too i think it only took me about 12 hours not that long of a game uh we already talked about star wars jedi fallen order so i'm gonna skip that uh doki doki literature club i don't know if you remember this game johnny i talked to you about it a little bit yeah it's the visual novel that gets really creepy and really dark really quick mm-hmm. it looks very innocent on the surface and then once you get into the game there's a lot of like disturbing <laughs> imagery uh without going into details the game has like a huge like trigger warning right at the start it's like not as it seems and uh very misleading game really interesting though i think the message behind the game in terms of like um forming parasocial relationships with other people you don't know and uh of stalkers and suicide like those are the main like themes of the game um interesting stuff the next game is lamentum this was another game i got a review code for i played it on pc this is the one i think i told you was like a, it's like a 2d top down resident evil slash silent hill game that sounds cool. It is really cool. That's one of my favorite games of the year. Um, basically, it, you wander around this massive mansion, and there's like puzzles. The puzzles are very similar to like Resident Evil. Like you even have like ink ribbons. Basically, they're not called ink ribbons, but they serve as like one-time use save items. Uh, you have like the you have guns, but your guns are very slow and cumbersome because it's like the 18th century. So they're basically like flintlock where you. Put push the bullet down the barrel, then add the gunpowder, and then like cock the 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 primer. Yeah, you do all that stuff, and then you fire a shot. Yeah, you're you're encouraged to use like melee weapons. Like there's like a sword, there's like a fireplace poker thing. Those are like your actual main weapons. Like the guns are the ammo is low, just like in Resident Evil, like the traditional Resident Evil games. So like it's there, but don't rely on it because you're gonna run out pretty quickly. And the puzzles are a lot like Resident Evil, where it's like, push this statue into this place, and like, look at this map, remember this, and go into the other room and use the same stuff you just remembered, kind of stuff. So, uh, if you can get past the fact that it's a top-down 2D game, it's actually really dope. I think you would enjoy it. There are some flaws, though. Like, you can get stuck on the environment when you're trying to avoid enemies. That's annoying. Uh, the enemies can stun lock you, where you try to break out, but like, like you're staggering. And they just have you locked in a permanent loop where they just kill you. That's annoying. But, um, yeah. Still a fun game. Still a fun game. There's multiple endings, too. There's, like, you get a grade at the end of the game and it tells you, like, what ending you get. Then we have uh, Detroit Become Human. A Quantic Dream game, of course. Uh, I think I kind of talked to you about this one earlier in the year. I'm not going to delve too much into it. You play as three different characters. Robots are basically fighting for the in-game equivalent of civil rights. 
interesting story. The gameplay, you know what to expect from Quantic Dream gameplay. That's why you should watch Blade Runner. Why? Well, the idea of of androids and what consciousness is and are they really human? Are they fighting for civil rights in Blade Runner? Yeah. Oh. Not as... Uh... In both movies? Because there's like a big time gap in those movies, no? I mean... Like it, there's like decades. thirty years later, decades later, they still don't have rights or what? <laughs> no, the, that in, undertone is there, but it's not like the main thing. It's uh, not like there's a giant movement. Mm. At, on the second one, there's there is a movement, like an underground movement, mm. but it's mostly on on are both on mo- the individual. Are both movies available for streaming? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'll look into it. Uh, next game was Undertale. Uh, Undertale was a game that came out back, I want to say 2017. This was the first year I actually played the game. And that game, it's interesting because it makes you feel bad for the actions you take in an RPG. Like, by the end of the game, like, I was completely broken from a narrative standpoint. Like, that game just pulls and tugs at your heart. And then it tells you, like, you can play, like, like, a traditional RPG or you can play as, like, a passive fist, basically, where... You avoid combat. But taking the pacifist route is like super, super hard. Okay. It's much easier to just kill the enemies. But at the end of the game, the game makes you feel bad for the enemies you killed. So interesting game. It's really, it's really dope. I think there's like a prequel that just came out called um, Delta Rune, Chapter something, whatever. It's like a prequel to the game. Um, Undertale. Uh, I'm not going to play that game again, though, because that game like... That broke me. I don't want to play through it again. It's it's really good, but man, it's it makes you feel bad. Uh, the one after that was Lost in Random. Johnny, do you remember this one? This is the dice game. Yeah, this sounds interesting because they're mechanics I don't think I've tried before. It kind of plays like a roguelike, sort of not quite, because like if you die or lose, like your progress isn't erased or whatever. You just pick up like at the last save point. But like every time you go into a new battle. You start off with nothing, and you basically have to like roll to accumulate points, and then mm-hmm. you spend those points on the cards you have in your deck. Uh, it's a really like novel idea. The only thing is, I feel like the the gameplay portion of the game kind of outlasted its uh, outlasted its stay. Is that the right word? That's not the right phrase. Outlast. Oh no, outlasted its welcome. I'm sorry. By the end, like the last quarter of the game, I was kind of tired of the mechanics. I'm like, okay, like this has gone long on enough. Like I get it. Like it didn't keep up with the narrative. They just don't introduce enough stuff throughout the game to keep it fresh. Okay. Like what you learn in the beginning of the game, you pretty much don't really. There's not much more death added after that. Okay. So it's a fun mechanic the way the game, the game, the combat works out. But like by the end of the game, it's like I get it, I get it. So from a narrative standpoint, the game is all right. You're like looking for your sister. Uh, your sister gets abducted by the queen, and then you have to go to each layer of the world, which represents a different number on the dice. So there's like one town, Twosville, Threeburg, like each, there's like one, levels, basically hubs one through six. And by the end of four, I'm like, I'm ready for this game to be done. But there was still five and six I had to get through, so... Uh, it's a fun game though. It's cute. It's charming. I hope they make another one. I just hope it's they do something to the combat to make it a little more fresh. It kind of gets stale quickly. So, anyways, it's a dope game. It's a dope mechanic. Just needs a little tweaking. Then I played Toem. Toem uh, is a black and white kind of uh, isometric 
This game is super chill, John. I think I told you about it. It's really relaxing. It's the one where you just basically just take pictures of stuff. Yeah, you did tell me about it. It's like Pokemon Snap, except without Pokemon and without an objective. You're kind of just taking pictures of things. Like a, It's like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. You're taking pictures of things, and then you're supposed to take... You get stamps for each picture. And then each area of the game, you need a certain amount of stamps to get to the next area. It's a short game. You can finish it in an evening. It takes about like four hours. You can finish it in one sitting. It's a charming game. Uh, I enjoyed my time with it. There's not much more to say, really. I mean, I could probably go way more to death. I'm not going to do that because I still have... I'm like halfway through the list at this point. Uh, Then I played Watch Dogs Legion. That was a mistake. (laughs) That game... (laughs) Like, the... The idea that, hey, you can be you can recruit whoever you want off the street and be whichever character you want is really cool for maybe for the first three hours of the game. But it lacking like a central main character means that the story is also weak because your character can be whoever that you want it to be. And therefore, like they're not playing a super active part of the story. Like the story cannot be about your character because you can be whoever you want. Therefore, yeah, everybody's expendable. So exactly. You don't feel- a whole lot exactly thank you johnny i love how you do add to what i have to say without having to play the game you know what i'm talking about it, it, yeah everybody's expendable therefore the narrative has to be very loose to allow for that and because of that the story is very forgettable uh the gameplay is okay the shooting mechanics are god awful really the shooting mechanics are terrible After three games they haven't nailed it it does not feel good which is surprising because ubisoft well, Usually, the, the hacking has always been fun. That's right. The mini games, like the hacking stuff, that stuff is cool. But like the melee and the shooting, like what core combat's supposed to be, it just feels so rough around the edges. Oh, and I've seen yeah, the driving is trash. Driving is terrible. Um, everything aside from like the core gameplay is good, <laughs> uh, except for the story. So yeah, this game overall, it's I mean it's fun, but it's very forgettable. Very forgettable experience. It's fun for what it is at the time, but then like you realize, hey, I could probably be playing better games than this. Sounds like every Ubisoft game. Ouch. That's not true, okay? Assassin's Creed is good. You haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in a long time. I think you would I think you need the Assassin's Creed game we get now are not like the ones we used to get at the beginning. Yeah, the first ones I didn't like because it was just way too much parkour. And that was like the main focus of the game. Parkour it's still part of it, but it's not like the main focus anymore. It's just kind of like, I wouldn't even say secondary. It's more like there's like a, what's the third equivalent? Third, thirdary? That's not a word, right? What would you call that? It's not even secondary or primary. It's the third tier. Well, I think if you're using colors, it's called uh, tertiary. Tertiary. Something like that. I like that. We'll go with that. Tertiary. Uh, and then the next one I played is Boyfriend Dungeon. John, do you remember Boyfriend Dungeon or no? No. No. This game is funny because you basically, it's a dungeon crawler. So you go through like levels of enemies. It's like an action RPG. But your weapons are dateable characters. So like your sword turns into like this like Mediterranean dude. You have a, do you know what a rapier is? No. You know like the swords they use for fencing? Yes. With a very thin blade and like a little pommel to, for the handguard? Yeah. There's a character that like, that's a dude. Uh... There's only, like, one female, one woman in the game who, like, I actually bothered to spend my time with in the game. And she she becomes, like, a dagger. So that was, like, my favorite character to use. It's weird. The game is, uh, it's basically, it's like a dating simulator thrown together with an action RPG. 
Except that the dating simulator aspect of the game is much stronger because, like, the action RPG gameplay is... The combat is very bare-bones. It's very surface-level, kind of just hack-and-slash without too much depth. Like, it's not that deep. Like, literally, the, the levels aren't that deep, but also, like, mechanically not very deep. Um... But the story and the message of the game is pretty good. This is another game you could beat like in one sitting. Like it probably takes about like six, seven hours. But I enjoy, I enjoyed it for what it is. It's just hard for me to recommend it unless you're like really into dating simulators, which I don't think is most people. But um, I digress. And then I play this one's cheating kind of Astro's Playroom because it comes with the PS5. Astro's Playroom, which our cousin Brian he was over today. He actually got to play it. He loved it. He loved it. He loved it because he, he the dual sense. I mean, dual sense. That's our problem. Dual sense controller with the haptic feedback is new to him. He had never held like a PS5 controller before today. Oh really? Yeah. I thought he had a PS5. No, he doesn't. He has a PS5. Oh okay. He doesn't. He can't find one. <laughs> so he played it. Uh, we played. He played Astro's Playroom. He did one level. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely loved it. Basically, Astro's Playroom is just a technical demo to show you what haptic feedback can do. Well, what's his take on the controller? He loved it. He said, like, he could feel, like, the surfaces, like, when your character's walking on metal, it's like a thing, thing, thing. Feels different compared to, like, when you're walking in grass and it has, like, the, feels, like, more, like, mushy, kind of. Like, I asked Brian, like, can you feel the difference between the texture? He's like, oh, yeah, I can feel, like, he says he could feel the rumble, not just in the back, but he could trace it from the top of the controller to, like, going down the side. Like, the feedback is, like, he says he, he had an idea of what it felt, but he was still, like, super surprised to how it actually, like, played out. Like, when he did, like, the bow thing where you pull back, he's like, oh, he's like, I can feel the trigger. Like, it's, like, when I'm, it's getting harder to pull back. Like, he was amazed with it, which is, uh, it's just, you know, really cool because Astro's Play Playroom is the game you would use to introduce somebody to what the haptic controller can do. I mean, sorry, haptic feedback can do. And he was, like, all into it, so I'm glad he enjoyed it. Uh, really short game again, probably like five, six hours. So easy to knock out, but I absolutely loved it. It's very cool too, because it goes through like the history of PlayStation. So like, there's a lot of references. There's last of us references. There's Resident Evil references. There's God of War. There's references to like pretty much every main PlayStation game. So, and he, like he loved, he lived for those. Like he stopped and he like scanned the environment and tried to pick up every single reference he could get. So. If you're in, anybody who's interested in like in the history of PlayStation as a whole, or you want to try out like what haptic feedback should feel, like Astro's Playroom is a perfect title for that. Going away from the PlayStation, Johnny, that I finally played and beat my first Halo game this year, and that was through Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass. I played uh, Halo Reach, streamed it over the cloud on my wonky this laptop that we use for recording. Mm-hmm. Uh. I had to kind of get used to a new way of playing first-person shooters because Halo is from a different era than, like, say, Call of Duty or Battlefield. For one thing, you can't really aim down the sights in Halo. Like, it's a first... You've played Halo. You know what Halo is. So you play, like, you can't aim. You just have the reticle, and then you just want to put that reticle over whatever you want to shoot. And it's... I kept throwing grenades, like, when I didn't mean to throw grenades because in Call of Duty... The button for grenades is the same button you use for aiming. So whenever I, 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 I couldn't break the habit. Whenever I wanted to aim at an enemy, I would throw a grenade instead, and it was, like, frustrating. Because, like, oh, that's right. I can't aim in Halo. You're not supposed to aim in Halo. Except for, like, sniping. But other than that, you're just firing from the hip, basically, all the time. 
And it's so hard for me to wrap my head around that because I'm not you. I'm not the person who comes from that era of like first person shooters. The story for Halo Reach is pretty cool. It's basically if you just took the story of Star Wars Rogue One and just made it about Halo. Or like none of these characters, like spoilers, is going to make it into the next game. So Halo's cool. Uh, now that Halo Infinite came out, I definitely want to play all the Halo games in uh, next year. Just going into Infinite because all of them are available as, a ma- as part of the Master Chief Collection on Game Pass. Yeah. So I think I'm going to play all the Halos in order until I get to Infinite. Because I've been hearing amazing things about Infinite. But a lot of people have told me, like, if you don't, if you haven't played enough Halo games, like, not everything's going to hit for you. Like, you're not going to get all the lore. You're not going to get all the references. Like, come to Infinite after you play the rest of the series. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, Johnny, are you... You're not interested in going back into Halo, are you? Because I know you played at least the first game. I remember you played the first one. Yeah, no, I'm not really interested in into going into Halo. If they, if it looked more like the way they first presented Halo Infinite, I'd be down. Really? Because it looks better now than that shoddy demo we first saw. No, not saw. that thing. When they did like a, it wasn't a tech demo, but it was just a showcase of the engine, where they were showing the landscape, the they were showing the the rain. Um, they were on the warthog, just going across the last. Okay, you're not talking about the Craig thing. No, right? no. Oh, okay. That shit is terrible. <laughs> I was confused. Um, the I, only go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, the only Game Boy Advance game on this entire list, uh, Metal Slug Advance, which I think I kind of talked to you a little about, is basically just Metal Slug if you adapted it to a for a Game Boy Advance like a handheld. Take away the predatory, like, co- insert coin tactics and make Metal Slug give you a life bar, give you a set number of lives, and try to complete this mission within those, like, without having to worry about insert coin, insert coin. Uh, Metal Slug Advance is pretty dope. I actually really enjoyed it. Again, another game you can beat, like, in, a, in an afternoon setting. Mm-hmm. But, man, that game is hard. The last mission is extremely hard. Uh, because, remember... You don't have the crutch of just inserting... You can't insert coins into your Game Boy Advance, so you have to restructure the way the game plays entirely. Um, anyway, so I'm going to move on. I'm almost done here. I'm looking at the time. I'm like, oh, like I don't want to waste time. What's coming out? Because they are developing more. There's a Metal Slug Tactics, and then a proper like Metal Slug sequel. I think Tactics is supposed to come out like in the first half of next year. Uh, the next true sequel, like I guess that would be Metal Slug... Seven or eight? That game just won't evolve, though. Like, every iteration is pretty much the same thing. If it ain't broke, Johnny, don't fix it. No, we should fix this. <laughs> this, this is a problem. What's what's the problem, you think? They just won't innovate on the game. Like, aesthetically, they are, like, too... Like, okay, like, Sonic, we finally got some shit that's, like, full-on 3D. Okay, I don't want that... all these decades, but now we're looking at it. I don't want that for Metal Slug. Metal Slug is at its best when it's just Metal Slug. If you change too much of what makes Metal Slug Metal Slug, then it's no longer Metal Slug. Well, it doesn't have to be like open world 3D like that. Okay. But do some like dope-ass lighting. Yeah, some good lighting, some good physics. Like when you jump in the water, it's got to look like fucking water. That type of thing. Okay. So go ahead. I just, what I love about Metal Slug is the 2D sprite like art. I think that's what makes it like funny and you know, like charming. Yeah. But... All right. <laughs> uh, next, I played uh, Mario Party Superstars. I completed that game. 
love Mario Party. I always love Mario Party. Uh, this is basically kind of like a the best of Mario Party, where you have all those boards. Not all the boards. I'm sorry. All the mini games and stuff are like from the first few Mario Party games, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Especially like online, playing with friends online. The game is great. It looks beautiful. Like I, Mario Party has never looked this great, and it's kind of surprising that. I think this honestly might be the best looking Mario game on the Switch. And that's comparing it to like Odyssey and uh, Golf and Kart. Like Mario Party Superstar looks amazing. Plays well. It's a good time. I highly recommend it. And then we get to by far the one of the best games I've ever played, Johnny. Can you guess what it is? Full Souls. Yes, sir. A game that took me more than a month to beat. Almost two months. Persona 5 Royal, Johnny. With a completion time of 150 hours. Persona 5 Royal, I cannot give it enough accolades. That game is freaking amazing. I know you're groaning, you're making faces. But Persona 5 Royal is a masterpiece. In every sense of the word. I hate this game. Why? I don't know. Maybe I'm just being petty. I think you are being petty. Persona 5 Royal is amazing. That game made me feel every single emotion. I felt angry. I felt betrayed. I felt happy. I felt sad. I felt... Embarrassed? No. I don't know if that embarrassment is an emotion. I'm not sure if that counts as an emotion, but... I felt everything but embarrassment from it. I think the only thing I was embarrassed about was how long it took me to finish. But that's not because of the game itself. Um... Those were the when I finished that game, like I was like I that was I was a cast of characters that I will forever miss, because the characters, the story, the bonds between them, their individual struggles, the overall story and plot is just so so good. The gameplay is actually the least interesting part of it, which is funny to me because it's very much kind of like a rock paper scissors. Hey, this enemy's weak to this element. Make sure you use that element to like you know get take the advantage. Okay, I think I know what it is. A lot of people say they love it, and the story sounds great. Everybody loves a fucking story, except it's the type of game that I don't like. It's an RPG. Yes. Well, I'm okay with RPG. Like, Mass Effect is an RPG. Okay, it's a JRPG. Not necessarily that, but it's it seems like it plays more like a novel type of game, right? Oh, yeah. There's a heavy dialogue. Heavy yeah. dialogue. But so, it's all voice, Charlie. It's mostly all voice. So, I feel like I might be having FOMO. But it's something I ref- it's something I refuse because I can't get into the type of game. That's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, not every game is for everybody. I mean, I played Deathloop this year, and like, I don't like that game, even though like m- lots of people like it, and like it got once awards and accolades. But arcane stealth games are not for me, even as much as I try. It's just not for me. So I get it. I get it. I, I understand it. But uh, yeah, that's enough about Persona. Uh, next game I play is Blake the Visual Novel, which was a game I received a review code for from a friend. Uh, she single-handedly made this game for PC. It took her, I don't know, I think three years. And it's pretty straightforward. It's like a crime, mystery, drama um, visual novel where you kind of just click through like the dialogue and stuff. And then mm-hmm. like, you make choices. But there is like active parts of the game where it's not just passive, like... There is puzzles you have to like solve in real time where like if you don't do it fast enough you fail and get game over. Um, there's like little math mini puzzles 
it's enjoyable. I enjoyed it. Um, I played through it three times for different endings. I still haven't got the true, true ending. Uh, I think I have to go back and make different decisions. But um, I enjoyed it for what it is. I'm not really into visual novels. Uh, Persona 5 is not a good example of a visual novel because it's way more active. But um, visual novels like this, we have to like make choices and the game plays out. Like, kind of like a telltale game sort of in a way, but like less less active. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was. And then I played Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, which is a remake of the original Pokemon Diamond from 2005, 2006. Uh, that game, not by far the worst remake of any Pokemon game i played. Right. Now, there's been remakes for Red and Blue, Gold and Silver, Ruby and Sapphire. This is the latest remake of an older Pokemon game. And you can tell this game is bad because it was developed by a different team than the usual like main, main, main team. And it's just, it feels very empty, very unpolished, lackluster. Not a good time. Rounding out towards the end here with the last five games, Guardians of the Galaxy, by far, Johnny. Such a terrific game. The story is pretty great. But it's mostly the characters. Like, you're used to the Guardians of the Galaxies from the movies we've seen, the James Gunn movies. Mm-hmm. But, like, these Guardians of the Galaxies, these characters are the same. It's Groot, Drax, Gamora, Rocket, Star-Lord. But their history, the relationship they have is very different from the movies. Like in the game, I kind of told you it's like an early spoiler. They've already killed Thanos. Like Gamora and Drax, they've already they done like what they had to do. Now they're just starting off as like, they're just trying to build their rep as the Guardians. Like to like, you know, sell their services and stuff. Yeah. And uh, each character gets to have their moment where they get to just be vulnerable and kind of like... Like, this is what I'm going through. This is what prevents me from going all out and being, like, a well-fleshed or well-developed character. Sorry, got, like, some things wrong with my sinus. And um, just the dialogue, the banter in between, like, when you're just, like, fighting, and even when you're not fighting, like, you're just, like, navigating the terrain or solving, like, environmental puzzles. Yeah, that's the main appeal for me. The banter and the dialogue between the characters is so perfect. Like, Rocket, you know how Rocket's kind of very brash, very rude, very outspoken? Like, the way he is in this game, like, he hates everybody except for Groot. Groot's, like, his homie, and everybody else can, like, go to hell. And then Star-Lord has a thing where he tries to kind of, like, sweet-talk his way out of things, but it doesn't, like, always work out because he has, like, a very poor, poor choice of words and stuff. Gamora is kind of, like, the, the quiet, brooding character where, like, she's annoyed by everybody else, but, like... There is a vulnerable side to her because she is, like, in some ways the most vulnerable member of the Guardians. Groot's the only one because of his... The limit to what he can say (laughs) is just, I am Groot. I can't stand Groot. You don't like Groot? I want to burn Groot. No. I don't want to fucking burn him. He is by far the weakest in terms of, like, a character. But he's also, like, the most helpful. Like, in-game, he's, like, the most useful because he's, like, the only one that can heal you. So... And then Drax, who he's kind of like, it's not a spoiler because it's like in the movies and stuff. And it's a known, it's a known fact of Drax's background. His lore is like, he mourns for his wife and daughter who like died by Thanos' hand. Mm-hmm. And he has moments of clarity where he kind of like, uh, I don't want to spoil too much of the game, but I think he has probably one of the best moments in the game. And anyways, the, the thing, the problem with Guardians of the Galaxy, the game is that the gameplay 
is a lot like some of the other games I've complained on this list, where it's cool at first, but by the last third of the game, you just want you just want the game to be over. Like you're like, I don't want to deal with any more waves of enemies because this gameplay is just not holding up. It's fun at first. They do introduce new stuff, like there's skill trees where you get new abilities and stuff like that. But the core like enemy types were like, oh, this is the enemy who's weak to lightning. Oh, this is the enemy that's weak to this attack. Like it's very rock, paper, scissorsy. And it's just kind of like, I'm getting tired of this. So I think if I enough people have talked about this where the gameplay is not the strongest point, but it's still like better than say like Avengers, like the, the game. Like the game is better than Avengers the game. And I think that's kind of what hurt it is that people associated Square Enix and Marvel. Yeah, that was an interesting win. And like that association is like considered like poison now. Yeah. But I think Guardians people are start when the reviews started coming out, I think enough people were like, oh, this isn't another Avengers situation. Like if you make a solid single story, narrative driven, no loot boxes, no microtransactions, none of that bullcrap, just make it a solid single player story game, and you can like you have a hit on your hands. Especially if you love Marvel. I think the Marvel license does a lot of the carrying. Like, if it wasn't for the Marvel IP of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't think this game would be anywhere near as, like, beloved or successful, obviously. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, the mechanics, the game, the gameplay, the combat gets very redundant very quickly. But because these are characters that we love, we know them from, like, pop culture and stuff, it's a very endearing and uh, beloved game. So, if you can find it for cheap, I recommend it. This is the one game that I do regret I didn't buy it digitally because I really want you to play it. I think you would like it, but um, I bought it physically, and therefore you can't play because it's the PS5 copy of the game. What was on sale, right? It was on sale, but it was the cheapest physically than it was digitally. Yeah. yeah. It was like 30 bucks. No, 25. I played 25, I think. That's a steal. Uh (sighs) Excuse me. Let's take the drink. Uh, Almost done here. We got to Far Cry 6, Johnny. There is a theme for this year. And the theme is games that are fun initially that wear out their welcomes by the end. Far Cry 6 is no different. It's a great game, but it's not even like the best Far Cry in the series either. That For me, that goes to Far Cry 5. Far Cry 5 is the better game. Far Cry 6 is dope if you're into like Latin American culture because there is a lot of things to reference. Like They have Ricky Martin's uh, La Vida Loca as like one of the songs in the game, which is like my, one of my favorite ones. But they also have like uh, Una Na 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 Havana. Is that Rihanna who sings that song? The Havana song. I don't know. No, I'm not talking about that, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of like pop culture references for like Hispanic culture with like Ricky Martin. I want to say it's Rihanna. I could be wrong, but like other stuff like that. Um, uh, Giancarlo Esposito as like the main villain as a, as uh, I forgot his name already. <laughs> Anton Antonio something like that. Anyways, he's a really dope villain. Like, he still carries that, like, charisma and, like, sw- not swagger. He definitely has, like, a presence, right? Like, his character is really dope. But the story is kind of just whatever. Gameplay, destructible environments, that stuff is cool. But, like, it's very formulaic. You're, like, clearing out. It's like freaking, um, uh, we just talked about this earlier. The guy with the motorcycle PS4 game um oh my god days gone days gone yeah where you know days gone is very formulaic you're clearing out like checkpoints uh-huh. you're clearing out like hostile like areas and you're, you're liberating like parts of the map 
Yeah. Far Cry 6 does the exact same thing. It's very formulaic. Nothing really new here. The weapons are kind of cool. Cause... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just the execution of it. Which I'm saying here, the execution isn't that great. It's very just whatever. Mm-hmm. Take out the enemies at the post. Okay, now this checkpoint is yours. Now you can fast travel here. That's all you're doing. Really, it, what it is is like the ga- the map is made tedious on purpose to encourage you to clear out these checkpoints so you can like lessen the quick travel time, basically. That's really what it is. Like, because the map feels freaking huge. Mm-hmm. It's a really big map. It's cool. It's, it feels like a real place. They've but... always been big maps, haven't they? Yeah, but this one's like way bigger than any of the previous maps. Okay. Like, it's. Like, I remember when I saw, like, the island, I'm like, oh, this is, like, 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 okay, this is, like, the whole game. And then I zoomed out, and that island's only part of a bigger island. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, this game is huge. Which isn't bad, but you can tell, like, there's extra padding to give it justification for you to clear out the checkpoints. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's a good game. Mechanically, it feels good. Driving feels all right. Uh, the shooting mechanics feel great. The stealth feels great. It's a well-made game from a uh, gameplay perspective. It's just the kind of what would you call it the the cycle the you know do this then do that then do this kind of thing the progression of like side quest side quest main quest kind of thing feel it gets kind of played out mm-hmm. mechanically. There's nothing wrong with the game. I think it handles really well. It it feels good. The movement feels well. It never feels unfair, although I did find myself dying a lot because I made dumb choices, though. So that's on me. It's just that a lot of it also feels like filler, though. Like, But that's kind of the formula for Ubisoft open world games where a lot of it is just filler. So it is what it is. I enjoyed it, but at the same time, it really could have just been like 25% shorter and that would have been nice. So Far Cry 6 is that. Uh, last three games, we get to Call of Duty Vanguard, Johnny. So this was a game that I kind of buckled. I bought a used copy because I found it for really cheap for 30 bucks. I bought a used copy for 30 bucks, So I didn't give Activision Blizzard direct money. But the multiplayer, not much to write home. I know you've always criticized Call of Duty multiplayer for being whatever. And this is like the first time I played the Call of Duty multiplayer where I'm like, this is boring now. It took 18 entries in the series for me to get to this point where like, this just isn't as captivating as it should be. And even at 30 bucks, I feel like I still got ripped off at 30 bucks. But what do you say? I don't know if it took that many entries in the series. I feel like this is maybe I haven't played it, but a lot of people said that this one specifically feels very odd compared to the other ones. It's not like the formula just you just got tired of the formula, but there's something wrong about this entry. Yeah, it feels very much like a copy paste of Cold War, which we just came out last year. It, there's no, it, the game doesn't... You're right, because I can play certain Call of Duty games that are older and like I will enjoy it just as much. Mm-hmm. There is just a certain lack of Genesis Qua. I can't describe it. It's just something... What the hell is that? Genesis Qua is a French... It's a French phrase for uh, that special something. Mm. This, you know, it's... Oh, it's lacking that Genesis Qua. Like, it's missing, like, that X factor, basically. There's something about Vanguard that i can't quite put my finger on it you're right they just doesn't gel with me from a multiplayer aspect the campaign however the single player campaign is dope it's really cool 
you're playing as like this special forces team of allies. There's like a Russian chick. There's a Australian guy, a British guy, an American guy. And you're basically hunting down Hitler's successor in the closing, closing months of the war. Yeah. And so like, each character gets to talk about like like oh like what did you do before this and like well and like the flashback will be like the main missions of the campaign like you'll relive like the the missions they were in they kind of tell you like why they were chosen for this assignment so like for the american guy you get the whole battle of the pacific the battle of midway so you have like you got into like the naval carrier you get on the airplane and you go up (coughs) excuse me you go and bomb like the japanese naval carrier that's like one mission and then the next mission, you're in the, uh, what's it called? Guadalcanal? I can't forget the name. Yeah, the way they go back and forth with the individual characters to their own like little mission sounds mm. really awesome. It's and a dope way to tie everybody in. It is cool because you get basically all like the major, major moments of World War II. You get the the Pacific Theater of the War. You get the battle, the siege of Stalingrad in the Soviet Union. You get the, uh, the North African campaign with the tanks in the desert. Like you get all the major like all the big moments of World War II are pretty much in the campaign, which is cool. I like that. But, like, the campaign is not what most people play Call of Duty for. Like, it's just not. Some people, yes, but, like, I can guarantee you more than 50% of people who play Call of Duty, it's for the multiplayer. And I can tell you that the multiplayer just does not hold up. The campaign is dope. The character models, like Infinity Ward, I'm sorry, um the sledgehammer right sledgehammer who did this one yeah sledgehammer games activision like they always put like they give it their all when it comes to character animations and like set pieces and visual moments all that stuff looks amazing like the game the fidelity the graphical fidelity is like off the charts it's a beautiful looking game which is weird to say about a war game but it is like the caliber of the animations the explosions the effects everything is top tier it's the online play that really holds it back. So, almost done. Two more games. Well, a question for Call of Duty. Okay. They, they keep doing the zombie thing. Would it be cool if they did, like, a vampire version? I have not touched the... I Zombies is by far the least interesting aspect of any Call of Duty game. I never, I never touch the zombies part. It's not fun for me. I don't like doing waves and waves of enemies. It's not my thing. It's just not. Okay. Yeah. Um, two more games. Last, uh, Unpacking. Yeah. Have you heard of Unpacking, John? No. Unpacking is a game that's available on Game Pass. Um, basically what you're doing, it's, you're playing as this woman who, in different aspects of her, different moments in her life, she moves constantly throughout her life. And in each moment she moves, you're unpacking her boxes and you have to arrange her stuff like where it belongs in her room. Now, to pass the level, though, you have to put the stuff in the right place. Like, for example, if there's like a pair of jeans, you can't just leave them on your bed. They have to go into the drawer. It's a very simple puzzle game. You're given a certain amount of objects, and you're supposed to put them where they belong. But, like, sometimes, like, at the end of the level, it'll tell you, like, okay, like, you can't clear this mission because these things are out of place. So then you have to kind of, like, move things around. Like, okay, I must have put, like, oh, no, that thing belongs over here. And the thing that's in that space now belongs over here. Mm-hmm. So it's a puzzle game that revolves around you basically unpacking each time you get to a new home. And so the game follows chronologically throughout her life when she's a kid to when she goes to college to when she gets married to when she has her own kids and stuff. And so it gradually adds more and more stuff for you. And there's no dialogue. You never see your character. But there is a story aspect because it's interesting to see 
what stuff she carries over from like previous moves. For example, like um, some of her toys or stuff like by the end of the game, like none of the toys she had as a kid are like ever like unpacked again, except for like one doll that like lasts throughout the entire game. Uh, there's a point like where she gets like her her college degree and then you have to like find a new place to put that. But then like by the end of the game, like there's like no room for the college degree. Um, there's certain things that she gets rid of, new things she gets. And so it's through the objects you're moving around that the storytelling takes place. Again, this is a... I can't really recommend this game for everyone. This is one of those games where like it's cool in on paper but it's it, because it's so short i just kind of like it sounds like journey i've never played journey okay i don't I, know how else to explain journey journey like you're just a little character i know you just you wander through the waste yeah, yeah. You just wander with somebody much. else who you don't know right i didn't complete the game but okay I, I tried and i was like yeah this shit is not for me it's a relaxing game though it's like one of those games there's no time limit you can kind of go at your own pace um it's a bit relaxing. It gets a little harder as it goes throughout, but um, it is what it is. You can beat it like in one day. So what's the last thing you unpacked? Uh, well, it's because it's all in like boxes, so yeah, it's I think it's random. It might be randomized what you have to unpack, but it's most by the end. It's mostly like um, I think pictures because picture frames, which are like of your family and stuff like that. So it's like you're following the journey of this one woman throughout her whole life and like the things she unpacks, the things that she holds on to. The things she lets go, she lets go and stuff. Things that she lets go. Yeah. And then we get to our last game, Johnny, finally. (laughs) And that is Loop Hero. Do you know Loop Hero, Johnny? Yeah, you told me about this one. Loop Hero is two genres of games that I do not like individually, but work extremely well together. And that is, it's half RTS Mm -hmm. and half roguelike. Now, I know that sounds kind of confusing. How do you not like RTS? I don't like, I don't like the, it's not that I don't like RTSs. I just, I don't like games that are systems heavy and RTSs are very system heavy where you have a lot of stuff like you have to manage. And I know we talked about this last week where we said like, that's kind of fun, like in civilization, like we have one more turn, Mm -hmm. just one more turn. But in a lot of RTS where you're doing resource management, like that's just the resource management, like having to like. Oh, I have to like produce this amount of items so I can afford to get this one item. That part isn't as much fun for me. Especially when there's like a RTS, like Command and Conquer, where you're fighting somebody else and then like your resources go to waste because they get destroyed or stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's like, like those set attention. those setbacks like annoy me. You don't get that? No, well that's where all the tension is. Like you feel the the annoyance, but the annoyance is like what gets you to like draw it, push forward? I get it. You need to have some kind of because if they stakes. come for your stuff, you're like you fucking bastard. I'm gonna kill you like for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Uh, so Loop Hero, I think I told you about this before. Uh, you basically you're this character who goes around the map. Uh, you draw cards that basically you add to the terrain. Like the map is empty, but you add like mountains and fields, and like you start to fill out the map. But these things also have like passive benefits for you. Like the more fields you have, the more health you regain like every day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you complete these circuits. You're basically just on a track. It's literally just a loop. I, okay, I do remember talking about this because I remember telling you about how the combat is just like auto battle. Everything gets like automatically yeah. resolved. Yeah. You're basically kind of like someone described it as you're being like the dungeon master where you're like you're narrating the game for your character. 
you're creating the enemies, you're creating the scenarios for your character. But the idea is that you eventually get enough resources and stuff where you can like build up your character and then you face the boss at the end of the circuit. And then mm-hmm. that's how you progress to the next area. So without going too much into it again, Loop Hero was a game that surprised me. I did not expect to like it. I only got it because it was like cheap on sale on the Switch and people like were praising it. Even even Neil Druckmann, John, even Neil Druckmann loved this game. Like he tweeted about like how like how novel the idea was, how addictive it is. It is very addictive, actually. But after like 20-ish hours, I finally finished the game. I rolled credits. And I don't know if I'll ever go back to it again. Like most games I don't go back to again unless there's like something there to hook me. Loop Hero was fun, but I'm glad to be done with it also at the same time because it's very challenging and very addictive and i just don't want to be addicted to it again so so there it is johnny the 33 games that i managed to beat this year yeah that was a lot so johnny what are okay do you want to just talk about like what were the highlights or you just want to talk about like you just want to jump into it what was your game of the year and then mine and then we'll go over our combined the official dual sense game of the year Let's go with the combine. I'm still kind of think I'm in between three games. So the th- so the games that we did play together. Let's cross reference again. We have Resident Evil Village. Mm-hmm. We have Little Nightmares Two. Yeah. We have Scarlet Nexus. Star Wars. We have uh, uh, Fallen Order. We have Spider Man Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking down at the other games. I think that's where our overlap ends. Okay, so for the overlap, I think it's going to be between Spider-Man and Resident Evil. Really? Okay. Yeah, I guess I... Well, I'm surprised you didn't mention Little Nightmares. It's not a game of the year. I do like it. But it's, as an overall, like, combat, like, it barely has any combat. Well, I mean... I'm a gamer where I need combat. I was going to say, does game of the year necessarily need a qualifier of heavy combat? Is that, like, a big... For me, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on that one because I like Spider-Man and Village more than Little Nightmares 2. But I'm just surprised that, well, you, that too. I'm just surprised it's not in the conversation at all. Well, well, if I put it next to Spider-Man and Resident Evil, it just doesn't add up to the game of the year. Now, there is a, there's a qualifier here for the audience. Uh, obviously, we know Spider-Man didn't come out this year. It came out actually last year. Mm-hmm. But because it is one of the few games that Johnny and I both played this year... It's technically for for you know up for consideration for our together game of the year for the podcast's official game of the year. So go ahead, Johnny. I don't know which one to pick, dude. Okay, I'm gonna make this very simple. For me, it's Village. All right, justify. Miles Morales is a great game structurally, like the, the swinging. I mean, really, the best parts of the game are you really just build off of the previous Spider-Man. I think. I mean, the story of Miles Morales, the character himself, is dope. The stuff with the Tinkerer being like... Are we going to get to spoilers? I don't think it really matters at this point. But his connection to who the Tinkerer is, the motivations for the main villain, his motivations, I think, feel real. There is a good sense of conflict where you do feel, as a player, kind of like emotionally involved, or at least invested, mm-hmm. into how you want, how you want Miles and... The tinkerers, basically, the, the connection they hold. You want them to... I, I don't know about you, but I wanted them to... The way they ended is exactly how I wanted them to be, where, like, differences are overcome, basically. Like, no one gets killed. 
Um, I think I'm more excited for the implications of what the next game will be because of this game. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, Miles Morales is a sound and good game. Uh, the, the thing that holds it back for me is that it's basically just a continuation of the first Spider-Man. It feels like a DLC, an extended DLC of the first Spider-Man. That's a really good point. Whereas Resident Evil Village feels like a full-fledged, proper sequel. And I think I just had more fun, really, with Village. That's basically what it boils down to for me. But I want to hear what you're, what you're where you stand. Okay, so Spider-Man, it's got amazing fucking combat. Some of the best combat I've ever fucking had in a video game. Yeah. It's like top-notch, top gaming experiences of all time. Now, Johnny, would you say the combat is better than God of War's combat? Because I know that's a game that you hold close to your heart. It's, it's just not apples to apples. Oh, it's, okay. it's really hard. Like steak to lobster. But I do like the way that this has the... Uh, it feels more fluid. The upgrade tree. Sure. is great. And, okay, the narrative isn't as great as Resident Evil's. I don't think. It's a little. I, I, I disagree with you there, I think. The Resident Evil narrative is a little bit more convoluted, but the reason I say that is because... The fucking protagonist, the main protagonist, has like a shit story. Like you don't see his face. Yeah. Ethan able... Winters does definitely no Miles Morales. Yet. Yeah, you don't get to connect with Ethan. Like I don't, get, I don't care if Ethan like really dies. Mm-hmm. So how am I supposed to like? Give I think story... the oh, yeah, I think the only emotional touchstone for Ethan is that you feel like, dang, like he lost his daughter and then you know his wife and like. Like he has nothing to lose at this point. He has to get his daughter back. But that's about it. That's as as deep as Ethan's story gets. As far as the protagonist went, I felt so like so much relief and so much like hype when I actually saw Chris. Like when I see Chris, I'm like, finally, I get to see this motherfucker, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I actually got to play with him, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. Whereas Ethan, I was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, I don't, I don't care. You chopped your hand off. I'm like, not impressed. I don't care. Right. Um. Everybody else I thought was dope. All the, the villains were dope. The merchant was awesome. Except Ethan. The Duke? The Duke's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the funny thing is that even though Ethan is the main character, everybody else in the game is way more compelling than Ethan is. Yes. Everybody else is way more interesting. Like, And that's kind of weird. That's kind of sad that, you know, that like everybody else in that game carries the game, the story forward. And Ethan's kind of just like your avatar for the main player like he's just kind of like a stand-in for the for you yourself really yeah so story i might have to give it to spider-man yeah like uh, across it's a pretty good story i like miles morales towards the end it's it's emotional uh you see the the way people behave and then you see them switch when they finally understand like the truth Mm-hmm. And they have a change of heart. All the stuff with your with your uncle Aaron, with the prowler and uh the 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 struggle with his mom running for mayor, like all the little like B plot stories lines that are going along with Miles and like how his connects to them, I think makes the overall plot much stronger. Yeah, alright, so we got story and then we got gameplay. Uh aesthetically, they're both pretty damn good. Although aesthetically, I prefer seeing Resident Evil. Yes, absolutely. I like seeing all the characters. Their designs are dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the detail. Just walking up to a door and looking at the frame of the door looks amazing. Yeah. 
uh, the crown molding, all that stuff, right? The stuff on the table. The details. Uh, the way, like, you push the candles and they swing around. That mm-hmm. stuff. Physics, uh, collision, yeah. Um, Spider-Man looks good, but I always felt like there was a little bit lacking. And I felt like this this would be on par if I had played it on the PS5. Fidelity would have been a little bit better. I'm going to give it a Spider-Man. For your like game of the year, yeah. <sighs> this is rough because I'm still leaning towards Village. I feel I feel Village is the better overall made game. I oh man, this is tough. Like Miles Morales is a great game, but I think I, I think it the thing with Village is I replayed it so many times that like it's. I, I'm just so much more familiar with that game because of like I was going for the trophies. The I can I can speed that run game in like less than two hours. Like it's just the, the Heisenberg and Lady D and her daughters and uh all that stuff. The we talked about like the set pieces of the game, the variety of locations. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's a tighter experience than what Miles Morales is. Even though I do give, I do think Miles Morales is a better character. I think the story is stronger. It's better combat too. Better combat, yeah. The gun, combat, I mean, it's just gunplay, really. In the breaking village. point, I, I would have given it to Resident Evil, but the breaking point is just Ethan. Okay, I get it. Um, I don't think we're gonna agree. <laughs> I okay. don't think we're gonna agree because right. I, I, I don't think I'm gonna budge from Village like. I've like the music, the sound design is better, I think, in Village. Every, every the only weak point is really Ethan and I guess the story. I just everything else I think I just enjoyed more in 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 Village. But I don't know. This is it basically comes down to Village does give me this thing where I feel more it just feels more like me. Like and that's probably because I've been with the series for fucking like 25 years. Mm-hmm. That could be it. Yeah. Right? I'm, yeah, 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 I'm a fan of Spider-Man, but I'm probably not a fan of Spider-Man like I am of the the MCU. Resident Evil oh. series. Okay. Like when I when I play Village, I feel like I'm in the fucking mansion. I get this visceral feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I have these scares and I'm like bastards, right? Like it, like my emotions spike in a different way with yeah. Resident Evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, okay. It looks like we're at a stalemate. We're at a standstill. There's no... Alright. There's no official DualSense game of the year because we refuse to budge. So, it's a tie. So, what's your game of the year? Oh, that's easy. My personal game of the year? Personal. I have two. I have two. Okay. I have one for the game that came out this year. Mm-hmm. And then I have for the best game I played overall this year. Because they're not the same thing. My overall game that I played this, like, that I played this year is Persona 5 Royal. Yes, okay. that is my game of the year. That's one of the best games I've ever played. And I think I've already told you enough about that, so I'm not going to reiterate on that. It's top tier, great game, great investment, great characters, great story, gameplay is okay. Music, phenomenal. Some of the best music in a game I've ever heard. It's mostly jazzy and poppy, but it's so, so well used. It's well done. Now... My game that came out this year, my personal favorite game of the year for this year, I'm probably going to go with Village. Yeah, Village. 
So Village is my game of the year that came out this year. With like freaking Scarlet Nexus like nipping at its heels, but not quite there. And then Persona mm-hmm. 5 is by far the best game overall that I played this specific year for 2021. So that is mine. What is is what is yours for this year? I'm gonna go with Spider-Man. Really? I could have started to say Frostpunk. Yeah, Frostpunk. Or is it because it didn't come out this year, technically? No, I love Frostpunk, but it's not the it's very Apple like, It's very niche. Okay. Even for you, like it doesn't matter if it's a niche for other people. Like, is it your favorite or best game that you played this year or not? Or no. you still think it's Miles Morales? It's just an amazing gameplay loop. Okay, like that. It's it's it gives you that itch, but it's it, as an overall thing. Like, no, nah, like there's there's no combat in this aesthetically. I wish it looked better. It looks like uh, it everything looks like it's 1080p. Mm-hmm. Um, textures don't look all that great. Um, the world is amazing, but there's also not like enough lore that you can get into. I have the complete edition now, so maybe I'll get that. Mm-hmm. But the production value is just not there compared to Miles Morales. What you're saying? Yeah, it's more about the gameplay and the loop of the gameplay, but it's not groundbreaking. Or well, like, I feel like it's groundbreaking. Oh, okay. But it's not. It doesn't it wow doesn't you. It doesn't hit you in all these different... Like the way Miles does. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. All right. So there you have it. Our individual game of the years. And uh, we could not reach a consensus on the overall shared game of the year. So I guess that's fine. We don't always have to agree. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny, before we break, uh, before we end this episode, let's go ahead. Uh, we have a few uh messages we have two from two listeners and then one from a friend of the show well, that wasn't the whole pod but was there more yeah oh we're gonna talk about what we're looking forward to next year right yes yeah, um okay i mean we're running a little bit long but that's fine we can do that if you guys want to take a break now this is the time to do it <laughs> all right guys so i mean i can pretty much guess what yours are that's horizon yeah, you, you can and but... god of war well, I have like 10 on this list. And maybe uh, a racing game in there somewhere. Oh, well, how many do you have, roughly? I have like three or four. Okay, yours are faster. Go. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy 16. So, do you know for sure that it's coming out? No, I don't know. I know it got delayed, but it's still within the same year, I think. It's supposed to come out next year. Okay. I think it got delayed. Um, Final Fantasy 16, obviously a huge Final Fantasy event, so of course by default it's going to be on my list for most anticipated. Uh, the next one is, of course, one we've been talking about is Pragmata, but that's pushed out to 2023. 20, 23, yeah. So not sure if that counts. I don't think we're going to get it sooner than that. Um, next for me is obviously Forspoken. That game looks like a bop. I'm really sort of. That I'm very interested in Forspoken. Uh, of course, Horizon Forbidden West. I know that's going to be on your list too. That game looks amazing. I know for you it's going to be God of War, but not really so much for me because God of War has never really like hit with me. But that's that's interesting because it's like your type of genre. Which what is my genre? It's not an RPG. No, no, it's like more on the medieval type of side, the Norse. It's not like sci-fi. True, true. You're right. It's not. Um, and then. Oh, for sure, we're going to get Modern Warfare 2. That's going to be the next Call of Duty next year. I know that for a fact. Modern Warfare 2 is going to be like the payoff to 
Modern Warfare from two years ago. So super excited about Modern Warfare 2. I know there's one I'm forgetting. And off the top of my head, I cannot remember. I should have wrote this down. Uh, shoot. Johnny, can you help me remember what the other one? Oh, wait. No, that's not it. I already mentioned Pragmata, right? It might be on my list. All right. I think that's all I have for now. Go ahead, though. All right. So same thing. I'm not sure if these games are going to come out in, in 22. But they also don't necessarily have an announcement date on it. So. Doesn't mean it's not not going to happen. Exactly. Right? So Boundary, have you seen this? Boundary. Boundary. This looks dope because it's. Why does they, it sound familiar? They look like they're astronauts with fucking guns in space, and they're all blasting each other. Well, this is the one you showed me. Um, they look like Destiny, kind of like Destiny characters. Not really. It was like something outlaw or lo- no? That's not the same one. No, no, no. You know what you're talking about? I'm thinking of though, right? Uh, you talking about the Western one? No, there was, yeah, there was like some game you showed me like a few months back. Uh, you're like, oh, you got to check out this trailer. Remember you showed me? And it was like these characters that look like like space stuff and like characters from Destiny with armor. No, they didn't have one. Okay, never they mind. just look like astronauts. Okay, and they're like in fucking in space, just floating around with with guns. Okay. Um, there's Kotor. Oh, that's, there's no way that's coming out next year. I think. Too early, way too oh, but early. It's, it's a remake. Yeah, it but it's might... too early. Okay. It's a ground. It's a top from the bottom remake. So there's Forspoken. Yeah, we talked about. That. I have my concerns with this. The world looks a little bit empty. The enemies don't look like they're responding very well. They don't look smart. Mm. You're just kind of standing. I'm mostly interested in like the sense of like traversal. And I think speed. the story's gonna be amazing. I think it's the sense of speed and traversal that has me mostly captivated. Yeah. And the the powers look cool. Yeah. Um, Horizon, obviously, obviously like, top. That game is gonna be amazing. Time. Like, Yo. like, did you see the new screenshots? They put out like four screenshots of it, like over the weekend. No. Or last week, I think they put out like a few more screenshots of the game where like Aloy's walking through a camp with other people, and like, it looks, it looks. I cannot believe that's a real game, dude. The trailer that they showed, like, to me, that won me over for the game awards. Like that was it. I, that's all I had to see. The transitions and for the fucking oh, uh, when she jumps and takes out the little glider and stuff. No, like just the way, just the the trailer itself, dude. Like when she tries to override a, a thing, mm-hmm. and then the screen changes all digitally, and then it goes to the next one. Oh, it's just changing costumes and, and stuff. A digital uh, screen comes up again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and then changing the costumes and stuff. Yeah, that red costume is bad. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, for real. For then sure. they have that giant cobra. Yeah, it's like a basilisk or something. Yeah, it looks dope. Fucking looks insane. Mm-hmm. So, God of War might come out for the holiday, right? I think that one's probably... I'm like 90% sure that game's not coming out to like early 2023. Nah, it'll come out. I don't know. It'll I have my doubts. Okay, I have my doubts, but all right. Uh, Arc Raiders. That's the game I was thinking of. Right, like 1950s vibe with a... with a layer of 80s. Is Atomic Heart coming out next year? Do you know? I don't know, but that's on the list too. <sighs> Uh, Project Magnum. That was the one I'm thinking of with the Destiny armor. Yes. That's the one you showed me. We got a grapple hook and yeah. a running giant like mechs or something. Yeah. That's yeah. the game I was talking about like a few moments ago. Yeah, Project Magnum. That looks dope. Uh, Dokev. Is that coming out next year, you think? I don't know. I forgot about Dokev. I, I, I'm excited about that game too. It looks cute. Maybe Callisto Protocol. Oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, freaking... Uh, the new Kirby game. I'm excited for that one. That comes out like early oh, next year. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirby, was it Lost Planet? Lost World? Something like that. Lost something. Uh, we might get uh, Dead Space. I doubt it. That looks like it's moving pretty quick. 
I, okay, I doubt it, but maybe. Uh, Frostpunk two. Is there a sequel? Oh, we did talk about a sequel. There's a little trailer for it. Yeah. So you already mentioned the Atomic Heart. Mm-hmm. Pragmata was pushed back. Yeah. Twenty three. Oh man, I really wanted to play that game. It looks really cool. And then finally, something Resident Evil, a remake. Wait, you're anticipated for a Resident Evil game you don't even know about yet? Well, come on. It could be 4. Resident Evil 4 remake? It could be 4. It could be 4. I think enough time has passed where 4 could be a legitimate possibility. I really just want something new, though. For the holiday. I want something new, though. I don't want to remake. Because last time, they announced Resident Evil 3 and it launched like 6 or 8 months later. Less than that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so if they announced it for like july we might have it by holiday i think with that the turnaround with the engine they just used for the resident evil 2 ring it was so simple like it was just like assets swapping out assets really mm-hmm. so but they said it was a they were gonna make it a lot bigger than the previous remakes okay so yeah that's you see that's why i'm thinking like it might not be this coming year it might be like further away and uh that's all i got all right most anticipated indeed. We uh, there's what have you been playing? I've been playing. I didn't even think to ask you that because all the games I listed off were literally the last games I played. Yeah, we kind of already talked about it, but I've just been playing uh, Fist, which is great. It's fun. It's an indie game. Uh, I got it for like twenty. We were just talking about how the the studio they made them is owned by Tencent now, yeah. partially owned by Tencent. Uh, yeah, we talked about it last week, and then I look them up. You found out too late, Johnny. They bought like forty percent. Yeah, it's not the it's not a full buyout. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get to those. Emails. Oh, you know what? I did buy actually. I did start a game that I have not finished. Uh, I literally just got it yesterday. It was a uh, Nintendo Switch had like an eShop sale, so I picked up uh, the first uh, the original Star Ocean game, the first Star Ocean game. Have you passed that before? No. Hmm. I've only beaten the third one, uh, Star Ocean 3, and played part of 4. But I never played the first two, so... It was on sale for like 5 bucks on the eShop, usually 20 so I figured I might as well get it. I'm pretty sure I beat that one, the first one. Star or... Ocean? Yeah, like way fucking back. I think I played it when I played Extermination. Star Ocean? I think so. You probably played Star Ocean 3, maybe. Was it in 3D or 2D? 3d yeah that's star ocean 3 because okay. you were i think you played it when i had it i yeah you did play it when i had it but it wasn't like up for a long time it wasn't like for a sizable portion of the game so maybe i doubt it but it's possible uh all right so let's go ahead and see what uh we've got let me go over our friend our cousin joe's joe our boy joe uh shout out again to the none of our business podcast uh Joe sent me a message over the weekend. Uh, if I can find it, it's not games that he's gonna. It's not his favorite games of the year, but it's basically just kind of like reassurance for Johnny here. That uh, let me. Why can I? Oh, here it is. Uh, Johnny's Joe says, skipping past the Spider-Man spoilers that he texted me. Uh, Joe says I'm gonna buy Alan Wake and play Control. So Johnny, you have someone else to talk about those games with. Yeah, Alan Wake is on the list. The remake, I mean the uh, remaster. I heard it's on. Wasn't it on sale recently? It was on sale. And you didn't. You didn't jump. That was for twenty five, I think. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'm just not ready for it because it just came out, so it'll drop. 
still got in place. All right. So you have a new remedy fan to talk about stuff with. Uh, let's go. We have two. We got two emails. We got two messages from some listeners. Uh, we have. Uh, let's see. This one doesn't mention their name. It says good morning, Duo Sense. I guess it must be good morning when he sent this. Uh, not sure if you guys will read this. Yes, we are. <laughs> but my game of the year is Battlefield 2042. Despite what reviewers said, it is badass. I recommend it if you love big, open, military-style first-person shooters. The bugs are not as bad as some have exaggerated. That's that's the whole email, Johnny. I don't know, dude. I've seen those uh, hovercraft on the top of buildings. What? Yeah, hovercraft? dude. There's some crazy-ass glitches I've seen. Like, they'll take a hovercraft, hovercraft. hovercraft and they'll ride to the side of the building, land on top of the building, have like a little shootout, Take the hovercraft off the building and like jump onto a helicopter and blow up the helicopter. What is this? Is this like player one, the game or something? Yeah, or the hovercrafts like... were like super well, okay. okay. Well, that makes sense because like it's 2042, so it's like in the near future. Are hovercrafts a feasible like? They're view? not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to climb walls? No. Okay. I mean, I'm open to try the game if it goes on sale, but it looks fun. In its current state, I'm just not interested in it. Yeah, no, it does look fun. And then we just talked about how bad that game is performing, like sales wise too, and everything. It's just, yeah. it's just not a good time to be uh, EA or Activision Blizzard. It's a bad year for the big guys. Uh, but thank you, thank you for that one. Uh, and let's see, this one did leave their name as is. Hey guys, Benny here. Thank you, Benny. My favorite game of this year. Oh, my favorite games of this year were Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and It Takes Two. Both were fantastic in different ways. While It Takes Two is a weird choice for a family game, like you guys mentioned, because I remember I said that game is about divorce. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So for it being nominated for Family Game of the Year, it's like, what? Um, uh, I'm glad it won Game of the Year. Uh, Rift Apart is worth getting even at $49. Don't be cheap, Andrew. What? Is that that's on it? List? Uh, Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. I'm gonna be cheap, but don't I? I'm. I'll get it when it's like thirty bucks at forty nine nine at fifty bucks almost. Like I'm just because that's the sales price during Black Friday. Hmm. Normally it retails for seventy. Like I'm not paying seventy dollars for Ratchet and Clank. I don't care how well recommended it is. No, get it down to 35 and we'll talk the game does look great except it's not my kind of combat it's not yeah it's not a little short the game length to the price ratio Mm -hmm. is just not there for me yeah but uh thank you to benny and whoever the other person was they didn't leave a name and the other one is a take two which i was considering it takes two to make a thing go right i would have got that one except my uh it takes two to make it out of sight except i'm gonna get um I have to have the fucking PlayStation Plus for it, right? No, you don't. Really? You don't. The cool thing is with that game is as long as you have the game, the other person can play the game for free. They just download it for free through you. Yeah, I was about to get to get that. But then I saw Fist and I was like, uh, I'll go for this. Oh, I should have got, got that. We could have played that together. Yeah. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I'll get it then. I think it's like 20 bucks right now. If it's around that price, I might get it. I might. Probably next paycheck, I might splurge on it. But, um. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, PlayStation has a good ho- holiday sale right now, and I think it's up it to seventy five percent off. Yeah. Some. I think. I don't know if it ends on the 9th of January. Or it ends 19th. the. Wait, it's not the one that ends the thirty first of this month. I think that was it. 
Was that a different sale? I think it was a different sale. Oh, okay. I saw one that ends the 31st, and I saw one that ends like the 7th of January. Well, either way, there's a lot of good games right now on the sale. Yeah, the thing is, either I'd look at the sale and either I have the game, or I'm just not interested at that price yet. I have a bunch of those, too. Yeah. So, it is what it is. Johnny, we finally reached the end of this episode. I think this is the latest we recorded. Like, I'm falling asleep right now. Yeah, it's almost 10, 11. 45. I feel like I might have overstayed my welcome here a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Any last closing words for this year overall? I feel like this was the year for kind of like Indies to Shine. We kind of talked about this before. Like the big guys really didn't show up this year in mm-hmm. any like significant way. Yeah. I think because we're in that console transition period where like it's like the heavy hitters haven't hit yet. Like they're still building up. They're still building up their like. I don't know, like re- reinforcement's not the right word. They're still building up their assets and like stuff and resources. I think next year, next year we're looking at a heavy packed first quarter. Mm-hmm. Like we have Elden yeah, Ring, we have about the end of the year. We have Pokemon uh, Legends RCS. We have Elden Ring. We have um, shoot, what's the other one that was dropping? Like in the first two months, we have like a lot of heavy hitters showing up. Uh, Kirby, the Kirby game. Horizon, God of War. Horizon. I forgot about Sifu. Yeah. I want to try to see if I can get a review code for that one. I got an email for that where I could request one. I don't know for sure they'll give it to me, but there's a chance. There's a chance. Hopefully. We'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah. It's going to be... Next year is going to be a big one. So, like, if you have anything left over you want to play from this year, do it now because next year is going to be jam-packed. Gonna be a good year, I think. Yeah, we just wait because all our stuff is gonna be on sale. Or yeah, you can follow Johnny's advice and hold out a little bit more. It's like that. Have you seen that meme with Bra- with uh, Braveheart? He's like, hold it, hold it. Like they're hold a lot. Like they're just waiting for like the sale price to come down. No, I have not. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening up to this point. If you made it this far, this is by far our longest episode we ever recorded. Uh, if you made it to the end, thank you. We appreciate your listenership. Um, we've seen a lot of growth this year for our podcast, and it's continuing, and it's going pretty well, Johnny. I think it's, we've had a very strong like first full podcast year. Because um, we did technically start last year, but we didn't really get into the groove of everything until this year. Um, so we thank you for all of you who managed to stick with us, or if you joined later, thanks for joining in. Uh, helping us grow uh, here here and there a bit um if you are interested i was telling johnny earlier i just started a separate uh star wars podcast with a friend of mine uh i'm gonna put the link to our last episode that just came out episode two i'll put it in the description for the this podcast info uh and i'm also gonna put a link to some of the stuff i've written if anybody cares to read about anything i've written i think i'm gonna write about um Similar to what we just talked about, Johnny, I'm going to write two articles, one about uh, the best games of this year mm-hmm. and another one about the games, the biggest games of next year, looking forward to. So what's the podcast about? Is it lore, reviews? It's it's just a, a discussion about Star Wars. So the first episode we did, we talked about, um, about that period from after Revenge of the Sith, but before Disney bought them. Okay. About like just the Star Wars content that came out in between, like where like, like, oh, man, there's not going to be any more Star Wars movies. And before, oh, here's the ne- episode seven. So, like, that whole period from 2005 to 2010-ish, mm-hmm. 
Uh, we talked about that. This last episode we just did that we just put out yesterday, we talked about our favorite Star Wars vehicles. We kind of talked about like how the progression of like the vehicles in the movies do evolve. Like you see the TIE fighters and the X-Wings in some form early in the prequel movies where the, I don't remember. Do you remember the Republic, how they have like that one ship that has like the six wings, the ARC-170? It looks like the X-Wing, but it has like six wings instead of just four. It's like a clone ship. No. Okay, and then how the do you remember the Jedi Starfighters? They look like they have like the like the Tie Fighter cockpit in the front, with like the wings on the sides. I think so. Yeah. So like how like the cool thing about Star Wars, uh, this is like a little a little preview, I guess you can say. The cool thing about Star Wars is how most movies that have war or depictions of war, like you have no idea what's going on. Everybody looks the same. It's just a cluttered mess. But Star Wars is very good at showing you who, like in the chaos, who you know who the bad guys are and who the good guys are. The clone troopers all wear stark white outfits. The droids clearly don't look like stormtroopers. In the original trilogy, the rebels all have like a mixed mash of brown and green like clothing. And then the stormtroopers are stark white again. In the space combat, like the good guys have red lasers. The bad guys have green lasers. Like it's visual, the visual clarity of Star Wars when it comes to vehicles and like just space warfare is very easy to understand, very simple. And then you kind of talk about like our favorite ships like i like spoilers i talk about the slave one being one of my favorite ships in star wars and and my friend abram he's a he's a co-host he's the main guy who actually he does like all the editing it's his really really it's his show but he asked me to be his co-host because we both love star wars and stuff so i'm assuming you're gonna be talking about like uh boba fett yes we have an episode we're gonna watch the premiere which is this wednesday and then we're probably gonna have an episode up about it later the next day okay because we're going to do the first... We're not going to do it for every single episode because it's going to get kind of tiring. Yeah. But we're going to just do our first impressions and then like when the last episode airs, we're going to do like the season like finale, like season like wrap up. But mm-hmm. we have like a couple ideas of like what we want to talk. It's twice a month. It's every two weeks we record. And then it gets published in the weekend in between recordings. So one weekend we record, the next weekend it goes up, and then the next weekend after that we record again. So... The schedule, it's pretty relaxed because it's only twice a week as compared to like you and I where we do this once every week. Yeah. So it's a cool schedule. Uh, if anyone's interested in Star Wars stuff, because I know not everybody is, but if you are, definitely check it out. Uh, my co-host, Abram, he's very well-spoken and very well-articulated young guy. He's like a decade younger than me, but this kid is super sharp. So uh, if you're into Star Wars, check it out if you if you can. So uh, that's going to be about it. Johnny... I don't know if maybe this time it might be different, but do you have any final closing words for our audience? None at all. Let's just wrap it up, man. Dang, I was really hoping this time it would be different. Okay. Uh, thanks again, guys. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, game news continues next week and resumes because New Year's is this week, right? Friday? Yeah. So, I don't know if there's going to be any news next week. Whatever we can find. Well, it's not necessarily gaming all the time like there's other things to discuss like we um to see the new trailer for batman yes the cat in the bat trailer yeah so we could talk about that next week there's other stuff dropping so zoe kravitz Mm. beautiful woman although what's his name he still hasn't won me over as Batman. i have to watch the movie but i just don't believe yeah i'm not feeling it yet robert pattinson i'm not feeling you as batman i'm just not i'm i'm looking at the film and Everything looks gritty. I, I'm getting this Mad Max feel, but he's not really selling it to me. He's. I, I do like, like. I do like this movie has more of an edge compared to like past Batman movies. Yeah. 
I like the noir kind of muted browns and grays and stuff. So, but anyways, we'll talk about that later, Johnny. So yeah. All right. Thanks guys. That's a wrap for us and peace. Good night. Bye.